We Watch This is brought to you by the BYK Podcast Network. We listen to a ton of different podcasts, such as Sex with Friends with Wit Janae and Rosa Artist. You can also listen to The Social Introvert with Sid Davis, and you can listen to several things, Carefree Black Nerd. We actually have one coming, we actually have a podcast coming up called Renaissance on Rewind, hosted by Rain Coleman, where he's going to break down the album Renaissance. Coming up, hey, Sal, how come ain't no brothers on the wall? This week, do the right thing. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother's sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. Sal's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, hey Sal, I'm going to get the on the wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about the noise? What I tell you about the pictures? You talk some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You'd like to sign a petition to boycott Sal's famous pizzeria? Hear me what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think! From Spike Lee. Director of School Days, and she's gotta have it. Good people, please! If we don't stop this, no, we can stop it now! We're gonna regret it for the rest of our lives. Doctor, come on, what? What? Always do the right thing. That's it? That's it. I got it. I'm gone. to another episode of we watch this we are celebrating spike lee and john singleton this season on season three and i have my co-host that's with me on a regular basis mr rain coleman how you doing brother what's that what's that i'm doing good man what's up oh lord up, i already see what this is gonna be like and we have one of our favorite guests to come join us every time we do these types of movies uh mr 12 cow from 12 cow podcast how you doing bro what up, what up, what up, man? Thanks for having me back on, man. Glad to be back on here with you guys, man. I'm looking man, forward to this. For what real. a what a I'm I can't wait to hear your opinions or hear hear what how you speak about this movie. Um Do the Right Thing came out July twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. It was written and directed by Spike Lee. When you do the research on this movie like I did, first of all, I never knew. Um this movie is bathed in controversy 
So I wanted to get into that first. So here's the thing. Here's here's a few things that I took from some of my research. After the release of the movie, um, reviewers protested its content. Some columnists opt, uh, uh, opt that the film could incite black audiences uh, to riot. Lee criticized the white reviewers in turn to, for, uh, for suggesting that black audiences are incapable of restraining themselves while watching a fictional picture. Uh, in a 2014 interview, Spike Lee said, it still bugs me to this day. He called those types of remarks outrageous, egregious, and he said, I think racist. <laughs> um, he said he doesn't remember people saying those types of things when they go out to see uh, people killing people like in the Schwarzenegger movies. Hmm. That's wild. Um, also, in another interview, he credits the president of Universal Pictures. He stood by the movie, even after it caused considerable controversy during the uh, premiere at the at the Cannes Film Festival. The movie was planned to come out summer 1989, and um, it was under heavy pressure to be released in the fall because they were scared, again, scared that riots were going to break out because of this movie. Um, it was more pressing since the president, Thomas Philip Pollock, was under, he was under bodyguard, <laughs> damn, he was under bodyguard protection after releasing The Last Temptation of Christ. His family was getting death threats for both of those movies, for, uh, for I was going to call it Fight the Power, for Do the Right Thing and for Last Temptation of Christ. He and Spike Lee, Spike Lee told him, hey, if you got to push it back, I understand. But Pollock stood by his, his guns and actually put the movie out in the summertime. And we'll get into what happened with that later on. We started talking about the movie Nerd Knowledge. So let me go to 12 Kyle first, man. What was the atmosphere like around this movie when it came out? Um, man, uh, it was just as what you described. Um, it came out in 89. I was what, 15, I think. Um, so I, I'm for those, for those of you listening, I'm slightly older than rain and uh cold um just a little <laughs> so um uh, but i do remember this man it was a lot of controversy about it uh you know spike lee at that particular time uh was you know the only black director out there so uh anything that he put out with, with the exception maybe of school mm -hmm. days at that time they deemed it controversial you know so in a couple of years after you know do the right thing he, he did uh malcolm x um, but no, every Spike. So Spike Lee's name just kind of shook white folks. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when people got wind of what this movie was about, and you got to remember from a historical standpoint, it was coming on the heels of the mm -hmm. Tawana Brawley case, um, black young girl who was uh, beaten and raped, mm -hmm. and they said it was a hate crime uh, in New York City, and you know had yeah. Al Sharpton and everybody behind it, and. Um, and there's actually a scene in the movie where Spike and uh, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but where Spike and, and his girlfriend were talking and um, and it's on the, on the wall. It reads uh, Tawana told the truth. Um, but no, nah, it, it was it, it was it was tough. I mean, I, I, I at the time I did not know about, you know, the death threats, and anything like that. But it was I do remember people talking about it on Entertainment Tonight, talking about the fact that there was some apprehension. And they thought that, you know, <laughs> black people were just going to tear shit right. up. You know, we were right. just going to riot. And the reason why they didn't want it to come out in the summer was because everybody's out in the summer. Um, they would have preferred for it to be in the fall. 
kids are in school, so forth and so on. But there was there was a lot of controversy. And I think, honestly, it helped uh, it helped sell the movie. But the flip side of it was once the movie was released, people saw it and was like, oh, I mean, like it was deep. It hit people mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. But, you know, a lot of people were like, y'all thought we was going to riot for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this ain't, you know, it, it wasn't like people was getting hung. Now, obviously, you know, things happened and transpired mm-hmm. or whatever like that. But um, it, it, the controversy was definitely there. I do remember that even at that age. Yeah. When I was reading through this, because when it came out, I was a kid. So I'm I'm kind of my uncle had me watch this movie. My uncle and my aunt were very. um panther-esque if i can say mm-hmm. so because it was in the bay area mm-hmm. and they they were coming up around about that time and um you know my uncle was the type of person that was just like here gave, gave me roots and was like read this so he was that type of guy <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what am i reading um but when i got more mature and where i grew up a little bit more and watched the movie i was like oh like this is serious like because me growing up in California, I'm thinking like, is New York is just one street? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, is, is, it, is, it, is it really that hot there in New York? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking at it from right. that standpoint. Um, Rain, how many times have you watched this movie? And, and if you've watched it multiple times, watching it when you were at a certain point in your life and watching it now, how does that? How did it affect you? It was always the same. Like, because when this came out, I was very much like in elementary school so when I actually watched it I was mm. older um, and not by much maybe like high school um, much like your aunt and uncle I had cousins that were college age that was very much like we we ride at dawn so this was um, pretty much like <laughs> they babysit the younger cousins and we watched it like this <laughs> and then they turned on the whiz after so it was <laughs> So no 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 it's I've always understood the gravity of this movie. Um being an adult, I will say like literally an adult in 2022. Much like other movies that, you know, are coming out or have come out in the past, this hit way too close to home. Um mm-hmm. where I could not enjoy it. As a kid I enjoyed like I enjoyed watching the movie and I saw the events and I understood how real they were, but this go round I did not enjoy it. It's simply because the state of the world. Um, when we were growing up, there were shootings. There were violence being enacted on us and others. But to the degree that we're getting them now with police brutality and shit, just systemic issues against black folks, th- I didn't enjoy this movie. And it's not for Spike Lee being a terrible director. Not at all. It's mm. just, I, it's too meta. So, <laughs> shit. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the things that I looked at too. I was like, "Yo, like this movie still the the topics that he's talking about is still rings true now yes. in 2022, and that's so I'm not gonna say yeah. weird, but it's like it's shocking <laughs> to me. Like, yeah, you you know what you know you know what it is though, fellas. I think what it is is it just shows you that we haven't come as far as we think that we would like. So, you know, I, and I, I misspoke a little earlier. I was actually 16 when this came out and viewing it then that, that was my favorite movie for, for a long time. This was my favorite movie period. I mean, Mm -hmm. all genres. This is my favorite. And it's still one of my favorites. 
uh, watching it again, I'm a little bit different from Rain. I actually appreciate it a little bit more because I there's a lot of nuances and things that I didn't catch as a mm. as a young person watching it or whatever, watching it through the years. Um, you know, but it's still you know we're seeing Radio Raheem that still hurts because we've seen that. You know, you would think okay, it's a lot of times, and I remember even hearing stories growing up in the South about. June bug mm-hmm. and June bug got arrested, but somehow June bug between June mm-hmm. bug getting arrested and going to the police precinct, June bug just mm-hmm. magically died. You know, so it's one thing to hear about somebody dying. And it's another thing to actually visually see somebody get the life mm-hmm. choked out of them or being shot to death by a cop or getting knelt on, you know, and these are images that we have seen over these last few years with the advent of social media. You know, we can, I remember seeing, a pic, I remember seeing a video of a kid laying in the street and I just happened to be scrolling mm-hmm. on my Twitter timeline and it was Mike Brown and I didn't know who it, there was no the, it was just the video and there was no context it was it was just a body and I was like well who would post mm-hmm. a body laying in the street and then like within hours all hell broke loose and I was able to watch that in real time so you know even seeing the scene where everything goes haywire you know if, it, if that was 2022, we'd be able to look at our phones and be like, oh, shit, man, they tearing shit up in Bed-Stuy. You know, so it's, uh, like you said, uh, Cole, it's, it, it's, it just shows you that 1989 and 2022 ain't, really ain't that ain't. far apart. Really and that's They're sad. really not. Um, you From that to the gentrification to yes, everything. So, so many things. Let me. So you you actually started off with one of the first things I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to get to it fast. I didn't want to hold out on it. Radio Raheem. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say he wasn't a, a a B or C character, but he's not that. His character is not the one of the biggest characters in the movie. But like when we see him, you know, spoilers for people who haven't seen this. When we <laughs> see him get killed so impactful what do y'all feel Rain how do you feel about the Radio Radio Raheem character from when we first meet him with the boombox and, and the speech and stuff like that to like the end like what what did that character mean to you Um, I would actually argue that he is the most important character and the biggest character in the movie hmm. Um, I think he was subtly like injected into the film um, when you heard that music, you knew what it was, and I liked that his presence was. I don't, I don't know if I have the the words for this. I'll try, but he was like you couldn't differenti- differentiate him from the score because when you listen to "Fight the Power" and it's playing, like if you're watching any other movie, that's just a movie that's playing for this scene. But it did that for this movie, and it was coming from him. So I think that he actually was the biggest um, character in the movie because he seemed to tie everyone together. Everybody Mm -hmm. was affected by his music. Everybody was affected by his presence. And it wasn't until the third act that he became kind of materialized a little bit more, I think. Um, So I would say that even, and I can't, I would imagine that even when I was a kid, I felt this way because he was so gaudy. He would, he the actor is a big guy, but the way they did angles and perspective in this movie, they made it so that he was like 12 feet tall. Yeah. So I don't, Thanks. um, Thanks. getting to your question, <laughs> uh, that his role in the movie to me was so larger than life. 
and maybe that's what made like that fall so painful or so impactful um because him even next to uh bugging out who was like he wasn't no tiny nigga but he wasn't big either mm-hmm. um right. I, I don't know <laughs> so i think i answered the question but maybe not no he was bigger than life and that's it <laughs> overruled god what about you man yeah, I gotta agree with Rain, man. I, I think he was he was definitely one of the main characters and probably the central figure, obviously. Uh, but Radio Raheem, I think the reason why his character resonates with everybody is because there's a Radio mm-hmm. Raheem in every neighborhood. I don't care where you. I don't care if you grew up in Best. I don't care if you grew up in rural mm-hmm. South Carolina. You know, there was or, or or Alabama, wherever. There's a Radio Raheem. He was a, a big dude, and he was respected. Everybody respected mm-hmm. him. You know, even the elders, you know, they, oh, there go Radio Raheem. You know, like they gave him their props and, and he respected everybody else. And he and he was one of the cats that he he gave respect to mm-hmm. those who respected him. And um, Rain touched on it, you know, fight the power played in every single scene that he was in, you know. And Rain, Rain also, just to touch on what he just said, I did, it's something I didn't notice until I watched it again was he does look, a whole lot taller than everybody else in the I mean they made him look like he's like mm-hmm. six, seven, six, eight. And um and it made me I actually had to pause. I paused the the the, the video and I went and looked up to see how tall uh Bill uh Nunn was because I'm like rest in, peace. And rest in peace he's passed on. But you know, I was like well, damn how tall was it? Because he <laughs> in the movie they make it look like yeah. he's way bigger than everybody else. But that but you know to, to your credit, you know, it's about how Spike shot it and everything like that. Very dope camera angles and everything. But, um, no, he was definitely a central figure in the movie, and he became the rallying cry. And uh, I, I found it interesting that, you know, even watching it again, like as I mentioned earlier about the nuances, technically speaking, Radio Raheem doesn't have a lot mm-hmm. of lines, relatively speaking. Other than the scene where he and Mookie are, you know, examining mm-hmm. his, his rings and stuff, mm-hmm. he's not really talking that much, you know. Um, and then the banter back and forth between he and bugging out before, you know, everything went off. But, um, but no, he was, he, he still was that guy. But like I said, the reason why he resonates with everybody is because I think, you know, when you look at your childhood or you look at your neighborhood growing up, everybody had a radio Rahim in their neighborhood to some degree. For me, man, I guess I, I, I wasn't trying to downplay his character, but for me, Mm -hmm. this movie was really about point of view from Mookie's from Mookie's point of view mm-hmm. I felt like this movie was centered around a whole one day in Brooklyn and it was Mookie's life and he was a part of that I gotta give props to Spike Lee too for the point of the POV views that he was doing like when mm-hmm. he was when 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 um Radio Raheem was talking <laughs> the camera looked like he was looking down at people and then mm-hmm. when the like the the conversation when he first went into Sal's and him and Sal was having a conversation and they was going back and forth for the uh, the point of views and yep. it looks like Sal is looking up at him from his point of view and and Radio Raheem's mm-hmm. looking down you know for me I just didn't really know I I guess looking at it from a point of like him not having so many lines that's why I was like he's not really that big of a character even though he makes a very big imprint on the film um, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen this movie in so long. It's been a while since I watched Do the Right Thing. And the 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 end where everything kind of jumps off and the scene where they the scene where they choke him out and I'm like, that's so 
it's funny because just like you said, Kyle, like we see that type of stuff on a regular basis on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? But just seeing it in that movie and how it happened, man, that hurt, that hurt my soul. You know what I'm saying? And I think that all mm-hmm. resonates from the love and the hate speech that he had. You know what I'm saying? Um, with with Mookie, um, he just made a very <laughs> he made a very big imprint on the movie just from. Again, like you said, the the respect that he got around the neighborhood and all that other mm-hmm. stuff, and and to me, fight the power was kind of like his theme music. You know what I'm saying? Like every great mm-hmm. hero got a, got his own theme music. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. God, yeah, when 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 he when he got choked out by the cops at the end, man, that that hurt. And the way that they the way that they filmed that as well, because it feels like ready. I mean, both of you guys touched on it. it feel like Radio Raheem, like six ten, and it he carrying mm-hmm. it's like yeah. five cops trying yeah. to get this dude down, and it's it's crazy. Uh, it just it hurts my spirit just to um because I watched this movie like twice before we did the you know mm-hmm. this week before we did the the the, the podcast and. It don't get no easier watching it. And I was like, man, when you when you get a little mm. bit more mature, you start seeing stuff, and you, but then you've seen things, and then you watch this movie, it just certain stuff just hits you so hard. Yeah, I remember when I saw it at the movie theater at sixteen. It was when he got choked out. You couldn't hear wow, nothing so in the movie theater when they with that when they showed a scene where you see his feet dangling and then they mm. stop moving. It was dead silent. And then I think the next thing that I heard was I heard somebody sitting right behind me hmm. sniffling. And when they showed him, Radio Raheem was like, in the, when they put him in the police car and his eyes yeah. was just open and we kind of knew he was dead, like you could hear people crying. It was that It was that serious. Let me ask you a quick question too, um, Kyle. Like, was this mm-hmm. one of those movies where you came back to school and y'all kind of like talked about it at school and like what was kind of like the after effects of watching that movie oh most definitely that that was the because and I remember because I saw it opening weekend so you if you saw it on that weekend that would man bro let me tell you something that was definitely the talk at school on Monday because everybody hadn't seen it so then you had some people oh man don't tell me what don't tell me what happened don't tell me what happened you know it's spoiling or whatever like that but for the most part it was it was it it was it was just that deep, man. And I think people, it really, even for me, like it affected me because like you don't go to because the previews didn't give us like any ideas to what was going to happen, and nobody had seen it. So you have to kind of put yourself into that time capsule of 1989, and we hadn't seen it. Nobody is going to spoil it for you. So you're watching this movie in real time, and you see this guy die. Excuse me, get murdered. You see this guy get murdered, and it takes you through these emotions. So yeah, it was, it was definitely the talk, and I, I think it was some people that, it was a lot of black people that left the theaters satisfied with the movie and very happy with the movie, but sad mm-hmm. at the same time. And then there was some white folks that left the movie theater like, "Wow, I can't believe that that happened," you know. And then it was like, we was like, "We yeah. told you," you know, like this stuff happens, like and they now. were like, I, "We can't believe that this happened." You know, and then I'm sure that there were probably some, just like a lot of times when stuff like this happens, you know, trying to justify it. Well, if he hadn't uh, turned it, all he had to do was turn his music down, you know, and even Sal, Sal tried mm-hmm. to justify it. Sal was like, 
I, I told him to turn the music down. But the one thing I, I picked up on, and I'll make this last point. In the opening scene when Sal and his sons are opening up his pizzeria that day, Sal was talking about his frustrations. And one of the things that he said, I didn't catch it then, but I caught it when I watched it. He said, I'm going to kill somebody. Yep. I feel like I'm going to mm-hmm. kill somebody. And in essence, yeah. he did. He mm-hmm. got Radio Raheem mm-hmm. killed. Mm-hmm. I, and I never picked that. I never picked that up. Picked up on that until mm-hmm. watching it. It's it's funny how you pay a lot more attention to things when you get a little bit more mature and you, you watch these movies and you see like I'm like oh wow like it's, it's that Spike Lee and his the nuance that he has in a lot of these movies man is is so good. I'm just doing a few characters. We I'm just gonna ask some questions about characters. Bugging out. Mm-hmm. Was he rain? Was bugging out doing too much? You me? Oh no, I don't think so. Nope, absolutely not. No, and even if you think he was, that that character is needed, um, so you can establish a baseline nice. of what you think normal is. Because I mm. think if he's doing too much on one end, um, I can't really point to who else. Well. Maybe Radio Raheem was more or less like sharing the same viewpoint, but was a bit more calm. But yeah, I think I personally don't think so. But even if he was, you need that extreme person so that you can also see how his views may be shared through folks who are not as intense as him. So let me let me preference why I asked this question. Maybe I should have put this in the beginning. We mm-hmm. get to a conversation where Mookie's sister and, and Bugging Out have this conversation about the pictures on the wall, and he's trying to boycott mm-hmm. Sal's, and she says, mm-hmm. "Hey." bugging out you know if you put that energy towards something else you can really make things happen in the community and he mm-hmm. I'm asking that question because it, from from how I took that conversation it felt like people kept I guess shooing him away thinking he was yep. just crazy or he doing too much and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that whole conversation he had with, with uh, Mookie's sister Felt like they were trying to justify everybody else's feelings about him. Kyle, how did you mm. feel about bugging out of what he was? What he was like? Was he doing too? Did you feel like he was doing too much? Nah, man, I love bugging out, man. I'm with Rain, man. I, I think you need a bugging out in in every mm-hmm. circle. Um, and I, and Cole, I'll, I'll go even back a little bit further, even before the conversation with Jay when he first made the comment. It's a, it it is really a even looking back on it now, it's a legitimate question. He's literally sitting there about to bite into a slice of pizza. So I gave him a hard time about mm-hmm. the slice of pizza. And he looks up and he sees all these white folks. He said, hey, man, how come no brothers on the wall? And he's hitting his house. So, you know, you want you want brothers. You put you build your own place, place or whatever, whatever the his comment was. But he was like and, and bugging out's retort was we spend Small. mad money up in this piece. I look around. All I see is us. You know, the least you could do is have some brothers mm-hmm. up on the wall. And relatively speaking he's not being he's not wrong you know i mean what would have hurt for sal to put james brown up here on this side and stevie wonder and i'm not saying you got to put malcolm x or martin luther king but i mean like some brothers or maybe even jackie robinson or somebody from bed style or something you know that was a legitimate question and saul could have excuse me sal could have Solved all of this by putting some brothers instead of on grabbing the wall. a bat. I mean, it, it, yeah, and you made he made it confrontational. Now I I get honestly I get his point. He's like, okay, well this is my place. I want I do things I want to do. But then 
No, bugging out was right. And I don't think, and if if, bug, if people had taken bugging out seriously before everything popped off, they literally could have boycotted Sal's and Sal would have had no choice. Because when you when you see every scene, there's mm-hmm. no white people in that, in that piece of it. None. And Sal said he had been there 25 years. And my thing was, uh, another thing, and I'm no, sorry, I'm ahead, just man. rambling, but cool. my thing was, he was... Sal said he had that pizzeria in that same spot for 25 years. Why did it take 25 years before somebody said something about, hey, you don't have any type of representation up in here? Why did it take 25 years? And it just happened to be bugging out. It just happened to be bugging out. So everybody been coming in there and it looks like, and bugging out said like he would come two or three times a day. So you coming in, you spending money. I don't care if it's $3 a slice, you spending money every day. This is how this man has made his living. This is how he's put his kids through school. This is how he's provided for his family. And this is the family business that he's ultimately going to pass on to his sons. And we're supporting you. The least you can do. You know, we ain't say send a kid off to college. We just, just hey man, just do something. Put, put, put some of us up on the wall. It's a legitimate question. And Sal just, yeah. he didn't have and the, the cool, Well, not the cool, but the crazy thing about it was, and I think this is before the whole bugging out thing when Mookie and Vino go for a walk and he's like, y'all be like nigga this, nigga that. But then y'all favorite people are like Michael Jordan or Michael Jackson or Mike Tyson. Yeah. Like these are your favorite people. And he's like, well, they transcend, they transcend, you know, that. They're bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but if they're that big, why can't you put Michael Jordan on the wall? You get what I'm saying? Like, right. mm-hmm. it's crazy. Facts. Facts. I don't understand. <laughs> I, maybe I need background on some of this stuff because I'm like bugging out. Is I feel just mm-hmm. like you guys. I feel like bugging out had a legitimate gripe. Oh, you hanging out with baby sis? Look, bugging out. We're not hanging out. She's escorting me back to south. Stop lying. It's not even true. I'm just going to get a slice. A slice? Yo, yo, Jay, you can't do that. Not today. Look, you don't know this, but I'm organizing a boycott of South famous. Why? What do you do? You know them pictures he got hanging up on the wall of fame. So? So? You wake up. Don't you know something? You know something about it? No, bugging out. I haven't. You know, yeah. you're wasting my time. You just leave that shit alone. You should. You really should. Hey, yo, move. I'm gone. I'll see you there. Hey, Black, move. So, bugging out, how you been? How I been? Every single one of them pictures is somebody Italian. And? And we want some black people up. So did you ask Sal? <sighs> yeah, I asked him. We don't want nobody in there. Nobody spending good money in silence until we get some black motherfucking pictures on that wall. Bugging out, what good is that going to do, huh? You know, if you really tried hard, Bugging out, you could direct your energies in a more useful way, you know? Jay, you got to be down. What, you, what, you ain't down? Yeah, Bugging out, I'm down. But I'm down for something positive in the community. Are you down for that? Jade. <sighs> Jade, I still love you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I still love you too, Bugger Now. I'll see you later. But everybody treated him like he was crazy. Like I, I, I think I can speak to this. And um, in my own experience, growing up in the '90s, a lot of times when you get those folks like your aunt and uncle who are very pro-black and have very specific pro-black views, especially back then, you're not. I want to say you're not taken seriously, but until you get a community, like when I, when my cousin went off to college, I was in middle school. 
And so a lot of the guys who she would date, the girls she would hang out with, had that same um, worldview. So for me, it was very easy to find comfort in being pro-black, wanting to see black people represented. Then we also grew up in a time where Martin and Living Single and New York Undercover, you had that. So I, I say all that to say this, a different world type of black folks in higher education and being pro like that is not something that is as widespread as it is now. So back in the eighties and nineties, again, this is from my uh, perspective, somebody like bugging out is no different than an activist that we have today. It's just today. This is something that is, has been baked into our culture. So you have teenagers who grew up in middle schoolers who grew up seeing this. So the folks, my cousin age, when I was a kid, have their kids and their kids now, you get what I'm saying? Like it's more of a widespread thing. Whereas back then, not to say it's less important, but you're not going to find people who share that same exact concern and struggle. Well, shit, we didn't want this other shit, you know? So I, 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 I think bugging out could easily be plucked out of this movie and onto like Howard's campus but, or onto Clark Atlanta or something and, and work fine. But again, Let's go back to the conversation that ML was talking about with the Korean store. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like the dude, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's the three. I call them three wise men. It was ML, mm-hmm. Coconut, and uh, <laughs> Sweet Dick Willie. <laughs> Sweet Dick, Sweet <laughs> Dick Willie. <laughs> yeah, Dick yeah. It had to be Robert Harris's character. Sweet Dick Willie. Um, the, ML is man, going the, into the fact that like this Korean store across the street came out of nowhere and started. A business in their neighborhood and he's upset about it but when bugging yeah. out comes by and say yo i'm trying to boycott sounds and they look at him and then make fun of his haircut and say no that's what i'm that's what that's the that's one part of the movie because that i don't get it's it's two different things bugging out is a young stupid kid in their eyes that it's the generational thing they don't hear hmm? but he has a, he has a legitimate gripe though yes but that doesn't matter and that it, that doesn't even matter now you look at an old let's okay for example i'm queer i'm upset because i'm in this community this all black community and then i don't see i don't know uh, i see niggas at pride giving out rainbow shit but throughout the year they don't cater to my community but then you have an older man who's heterosexual who his concern is well we got all these koreans who are you know it's it's the same exact thing so just switch out the concern it's not necessarily that um you you have the same views but about different things because even at the end after they fucked up south shit they should have in my opinion went to that korean shop and flipped <laughs> all them fucking vegetables over acted a fool but i'm but like you i'm black men, i'm black i'm just like you I'm black. They, but they also i think understood that them, them older men is that without that place where is the next grocery store you know what mm. I'm saying and also I, so mm. I don't I, I stand by what I said before I don't I think they may have had the same thoughts but they're looking at two totally different things and for them it's like fuck nigga you worried about so get your little weird looking ass off but that's what people do now they don't take <laughs> kids seriously because you sagging your pants yeah. or you got pronouns in your damn bio or something it's like but we're still fighting this same battle regardless to what, you know, so I stand by. 
I, I just, I don't know. It really hurt me because it's like, yo, bugging out is sitting up here trying to do something, which a lot of the times men like the three wise men that sit on the corner complain about these these kids these days don't want to do nothing. And then when he has a legitimate gripe and he's trying to actually make things happen peacefully, because let's not forget, bugging out only wanted, all he wanted to do was boycott. He didn't mm-hmm. say, let's go in there and tear shit yeah. up. Well, he just wanted he wanted pictures on the wall. He didn't even want to boycott at first. It wasn't until you know Sal threw him out that he was like, "All right, I'm gonna boycott you," you know. And I think even to your point, I think it wasn't so much about bugging out, you know, it being an issue with him. Maybe it was to when he was talking to the talking to the fellas. Maybe it was just mm. the message. It wasn't the message; it was the mm-hmm. messenger. You know, if Mookie comes and says the same, now Mookie, granted. It's a, Mookie probably wouldn't because Mookie was working there. But let's say if Mookie mm-hmm. wasn't working there, if Mookie was the one that brought that to their attention, then maybe they give it some credence. Um, Bugging out's just a hot-headed kid, you know, from around the way. So, you know, they're not going to take him serious. But he had a legitimate beef, if you will. And it wasn't even really a beef. He just had a, hey, man, just put some pictures on the wall. He didn't ask, you know, to he didn't ask Sal to donate to the United Negro College Fund or anything like that. He just... He didn't ask for reparations. He just, that's all he wanted. So, and again, I don't think that was a big thing. To piggyback off that, though, and what you said earlier, Cole, was like, do we think he was uh, doing too much? Because he is that extreme part of, like, a baseline concern that also could be part of the reason why. Because, like you said, Mookie is more reserved. He's more calm at face value, even visually. Yeah, he got a funky little haircut, but not more than the rest of the black kids. He looks like just a regular, non-threatening black person. Bugging out is intense, just visually. So so yes. back to your initial question, I think that may have affected it as well. Not saying it's right. But, but. that's just passionate. I can get passionate sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, bugging out, mm-hmm. I just had a legitimate gripe about him going into a neighborhood pizzeria and seeing, he just wants to see people like him there Mm. and the funny thing is which i kind of really just um it just hit me too Uh, the different acts had bugging out at different levels like we went Mm -hmm. from the first act of bugging out just saying hey i want some pictures on the wall to the second act when he was like we're gonna boycott it to the third act where it's just like all out rioting (sighs) i just i i really I hate that they dismissed bugging out of what his gripe was. Um, I just felt like, man, he he was legit in what he was saying, but and the way it ended, it didn't even have oh, to that end way. that way if they just would have maybe listened to him. I I don't want to spoil anything because this is a relatively new movie. Have y'all seen Emergency Movie? Mm-mm, not yet. With, uh, I have. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil it, but watching that movie and then rewatching this, and there, what is it like? 40 years apart shows me that a lot of <laughs> black violence is enacted because of white um, carelessness and not even intentional. And like, okay, how do I put this? Not even white carelessness towards black people. Sometimes even the carelessness they have for each other 30 years has apart. ripple effects that affect black people in very large mm-hmm. ways. Um, in this case, it was more or less for the community he was in, but I'm seeing these are two totally different films. The vibe is different. The mo- that's uh, emergency is more of like a, a Jordan Peele type of like comedy social thriller kind of sort of buddy comedy thing. And this movie is extremely different. But if you watch them both at the end of emergency movie, you'll see that oh, because this white person 
refuse to take responsibility for this one small aspect of their life, like a picture on the wall or your sister who's at a party with you. Now, some black person is traumatized to no end. So, bruh, it's very, it's interesting. Heavy. And yeah. we can go on and on about bugging out. I love bugging yeah. out's character, yeah. but same. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, so way. in the research of doing, uh, watching this movie and trying to get stuff, two questions pop, is pop you has popped up throughout my research, and it's about Mookie. One, was Mookie originally a sellout? And two, did Mookie do the right thing at the end of the movie? I'll go to you, twelve, Kyle. What do you? How do you? How do you feel about um, those two questions about Mookie? And what are your feelings about Mookie? Because this is basically a day in the life of Mookie. On a hot New York day. Yeah. Hot ass day. Um, I don't think he was a sellout. I think Mookie was a guy who he really was a guy who could kind of bring everybody together. He was he was the he was the middle guy. He was able to, you know, do like a lot of us, operate in wider mm-hmm. spaces via, you know, in life and corporate with America, whatever the case is, but still be down for the hood. You know, and I think Mookie, while his mission was to get money, you know, he was he constantly talked about he's he's I'm getting paper, I'm getting paper, and that was you know his his goal or whatever to get paid. But I don't know, I don't think he was a sellout at all. I think he he was he was somebody that black people could trust. He was you know obviously was trusted mm-hmm. by Sal, and Sal viewed him as a son. You know, so I didn't I didn't think he was a sellout at all. Um, the second question the second that comes question? up, and this is just coming from people. There's videos about this. Did Mookie do do the right thing at the end of the movie? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. I think because even in watching it again, knowing what already, you know, what's going to happen, he was trying to break it up. He was trying to break it up. He was trying to break up the fight and everything. And then thing and then he had just you see him just cover his face and he is just like I'm mm-hmm. done. Like this is it. You just took because here's the thing in seeing Radio Raheem get murdered, it's the reminder that it could be you. You could be next. And that's what subconsciously, when you watch videos of, you know, us being killed, murdered by, you know, police officers, that's what it tells you. It could be you. And it goes back even further in our history, if you study history, wherein there were, and especially in the South, blacks were beaten and hung and it would be done in the in, in the town and a lot of times you there would be these towns where there would be public hangings so and and they would hang a, a black body and they would leave the black body hanging there so when the white folk would come and cheer and everything like that once the black body got hung but then they would leave it up so when black folks would come through town they could see it because they wanted even back then to remind you that it could be you mm. next so I think saying all of that I think Mookie understood that like he was just done he he had he was tired of playing the sides and it kind of went back to something that uh, Vino had said you know what, what I think Pino said to Vino he said you know when 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 you when you least suspect that he's going to turn his sp- back on he you said, he said no I don't think he turned his back on him I think he, he yeah. rolled for his people you know and I think, honestly, most of us probably would have done what Mookie did. Because at that point, 
Radio Raheem was gone. And they knew when those cops left, wasn't nothing going to happen to those cops. Nobody got no name, nobody got no badge numbers, no nothing. So it was just going to be their word, and, and you know they're going to say, "Well, hey, we we did what we could to control the crowd. We, you know, he was hostile, and we feared for you. Whatever the quote unquote sayings are, we feared for our lives. You know, so we put him in an illegal chokehold, mm-hmm. by the way, which was very much illegal mm-hmm. even at the time. Um, put him in in illegal chokehold and killed him. And so, no, Mookie did the right thing. I I, I think um, I don't. I, that was a, I, I do, and it's funny you mentioned that Cole because. I do remember having that conversation in the subsequent days of high school and people were asking, you know, did he do the right thing? Yeah, he, he definitely did. What about right you, Ryan? Um, I don't think he was a sellout. I think <laughs> Wait, okay. Real quick. Okay. Let me tell you guys why that question came up um mm-hmm. while I was doing my mm-hmm. research. So the beginning of the movie we see that Mookie is is all about getting paid, getting paid. He's all about getting paid, getting paid. And um, it feels like he fit in. A lot of people felt like Mookie fit in so well with that family because the brothers argue. When Mookie gets there, he can argue with the brothers and go back and forth with Sal. And Sal never fired him. He did what he wanted to do, just like the two brothers did. So a lot of people just felt like Mookie was out for a dollar. And that's why a couple people that I read was just like, Mookie was a sellout in the beginning of the movie. He didn't really become real until towards the end. And then a lot of people are just like, well, did he do the right thing as far as throwing the trash can in the sows? Or, like, did he do the right thing? That shit is tired, man. Very much so. Like, because I'm good at my job? Like, that's the thing that kills me. Because <laughs> if this was an office job and he just happened to have the charisma to fit in there, or a pizzeria, or a fucking garbage sweep, like, how is it selling out yeah. to show up at a job where there's only four employees and you're the fourth one? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, because even when his mm-hmm. conversations were- And you're not, and you're not related there to There we them. go. There we go. That too. But a lot and of people even, were looking at the treatment of Mookie versus the treatment of other black people that used to come, that came into the, that came into the pizzeria. So that's why a lot of people was looking at him as a sellout. So was Jay to sell out too? Because the old boy had a crush on her? Like, what do you mean? And also, there were tons of black people that were extras in the background who we could assume had a pretty transactional relationship. Here's the money. Give me my pizza. Enough that I can sit down here and have a uh, conversation with my homeboys. And, like, I feel comfortable enough to do that. Also, they very much established, like you said before, he was there for 25 years. People were raised on his food. So, you know, I think that's that's silly. That's, that's not what I took from it. I took that Mookie was out for a dollar, but that's not negative. First of all, everybody want money and need money, but then when his sister mentioned yes. several times, I'm tired of supporting you, you're a grown-ass man, mm-hmm. you also have a new baby. Like To me, I was like, no, this nigga just charismatic enough to talk shit with the, like, the fuck, nigga? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> this shit is fucking, it's sad, because I'm so... I'm someone who is, I don't give a fuck nobody say, I'm funny as shit. Every job I get, motherfuckers like me. And I say it and I say it that way because what happens to me is I'm very quiet when I first get a job. I'm learning the lay of the land because I don't want to do anything that's going to bring too much attention to me because I'm a tall, big black man. And then they'll get into this space. Shit, I mean, yeah. that's just threatening no, to a lot of people. I, I, know, I, I know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and so when I'm in a space... 
I'm able to maneuver and humor is just a natural part of me. And but that's the very thing. And this is the kicker. That's the very thing that when motherfuckers like you, that's great. When they don't like you, now I'm going to find a way to twist that so that it's now a bad part. It's, oh, you play too much. Mm -hmm. Well, because I told a joke at 8 a.m. to somebody who's, like, nearby, that's bad. But when we was on good terms, oh, when do you get to work? You know what I'm saying? So I I, I think I'm probably taking more offense than I should at the idea that this motherfucker's selling out because he's good at his job and niggas who are not black like him. fuck is that? No. Yeah. 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 No, I agree, man. I just feel like Mookie was the cool dude in the neighborhood, and he just yeah. happened to get like a job at Sal's and was just like, because he came in. <laughs> Mookie did what he wanted to do at yes. that job. Yeah, bro. Yeah, right. on his own on the time. Clock. <laughs> Fuck everything. He taking showers in the middle of his shift, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and only had the job for what it was it a month or two months? Like Something he had like just that. got that job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I don't really feel like Mookie is a sellout. And I also feel like Mookie did the right thing as well. Like, mm-hmm. the big thing that a lot of, um, just reading a lot of things was the weather, the heat. Um, mm-hmm. That was a vocal point of this movie, whether people know it or not. Like, um, a lot of... Um, um, a lot of stuff that, that Spike Lee had interviewed about, he had said something about like how the heat was supposed to be a factor just from the way he filmed it. Um, the colors that you see, there's a lot of reds. Yep. It feels like it's a tone. It's a red, reddish mm-hmm. tone. He wanted people mm-hmm. to feel the heat and he wanted to help people understand that like when it's hot, people will, yeah. it's it's a different, you feel a different type of way when wow. you're hot. The only bad thing I got to say about Mookie is he's a horrible dad. Like, he is just a horrible father. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a bad dad. You can, you can give me some pushback on that if you want to, but no, nah, he's a bad dad. He ain't even, he hadn't seen his kid in weeks. <laughs> in one week, to be fair, four days. But yeah, he yeah he's still bad. Because like, that's not a he factory job. Diapers, man. You, like, that house is in the same neighborhood as that job. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, same neighborhood. Yeah. I think the thing that really, the thing that I really enjoyed most about Mookie and I thought was like ballsy as hell and I loved it. Was after everything went down, Mookie woke up and said, yep. I'll be back. And he's like, I would need my money. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You're going to pay me. You're going to pay me. I work. And then it was, it was Sal threw the money at him. He left the money on the ground. But you saw before he picked left, he picked that money up. Yeah. Picked it up. Okay. So let me get into this. Read something for you. Um, the film scared a lot of studios away. Um, because he uh, Spike originally had a, a the deal with another um, picture company, ended up going through Universal. They wanted the ending to be specifically toned down. Here's the original scripted ending. Sal and Mookie reconcile. Sal, although upset, tells Mookie that he understands that Mookie had to do the right thing. Um, Spike Lee claimed the original producer from Paramount, that's, what, that's who dropped him originally, demanded that the last moment of Sal and Mookie um, situation they should hug they should hug it out Spike Lee refused and said Hollywood is bullshit that's a bullshit ending and he wanted an epilogue to remain truthful to the characters and took the project to Universal so go. they were trying to yeah. again going along with <laughs> these studios wanting to tone it down how do y'all feel how do you feel about the ending Rain? 
Oh, I liked it. I liked the ending. Um, I feel like they could have went further. I shit, come back and set this bitch on fire again. <laughs> but I, I, I liked it. I do, like you said, thinking that uh, Mookie did something that was ballsy. I, I like that about him. I like that I put in this work. You owe me this work. You know what I'm saying? So give me what you owe. Because um, we gave you last night what, what you were owed. So give me what I'm owed. I put in this work. <laughs> so, no, no, I thought it was a great ending. Um, That Paramount ending is, I think people would have hated this movie. That wouldn't have been like, true to after what After all happened. of that, that's what have caused the riot. Like, what the fuck is this? What do you mean? Um, because again, you're centering whiteness and making it so even a dead body of a black person can be excused away with a handshake and a hug. Mm-hmm. Nigga, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that would have made it better is if, um, Mookie could have, um, climbed on, Z- uh, Vino's back and slit his throat Come on. Come on, man. That would have been Come a better. On, that I, No, nigga, I stand by that. That would have been know. a much better ending or broke his back or something. Like. Oh, yeah, I'm no. serious. I know you are. I know you are. Yeah, because, but yeah, no, no, I like that. Kyle, what about you? That the the. Yeah, I, I was good. I was good with the ending, man. Um, I, that ending that they proposed would have just it would have it would have whitewashed mm-hmm. the movie. It would it would have made you know white folks feel comfortable, and that movie isn't made to make anybody feel. It's 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 just like a lot of Spike Lee's movies. Is there to open your eyes and and awake you awaken you into something, you know what that is? And there's really no resolution. I mean, Mookie gets his money, and he walks off, and the movie ends. And so there's really no we don't know where he's going because technically, he doesn't have a job anymore, you know. But Mookie's a hustler. He'll find something, you know. He'll probably find something delivering something for somebody else in the neighborhood, um, you know. But there's no resolution, and I was okay with that because that's how life is you know there's no there's really no happy ending to that story because the story ends and that's with radio raheem's death and you're supposed to you know some movie critics probably would want you to put a bow on the end of it nah you don't need no bow yeah not for that most other movies yeah you need a bow you need a beginning a middle and an end the end was fine i I was fine i'm even I like it even more now that I'm mm-hmm. older, you know, how it ended because mm-hmm. it just ended and it's there to, and it actually ends with those quotes, yeah. but it's there mm-hmm. to make you think there's no resolution. And that's how life is. There's no resolution for yeah. a lot of shit. That happens. Um, doing the research, man, you find out so much stuff. Like they wanted to do so many, th- people were so scared of this movie and the rewrites they were trying to do and the things they wanted to do to this movie and Spike Lee, that's why we're celebrating Spike Lee and John Singleton this season because those two dudes fought for what they wanted out of their movies. They most definitely fought for man Spike. One thing about Spike Lee, especially from back in those days, he would tell you to kiss his ass, and a lot of people, uh, he lost a lot of backing on cer- certain things because of his mm. quote unquote attitude towards Hollywood and stuff like that. And um, I, I I love the ending. I'm, it's shitty that they tried to give him this. Hey, let's hug each other. Let's hug it out. Sal, and let's do. Let's <laughs> let's uh. Everything's happy. Coke and a smile, right? 
Mm-hmm. All right, the last thing I'm going to get to before we get into mm-hmm. movie nerd knowledge, and this is a legitimate question that people have online about this movie. Was Sal really racist? 12, Kyle. Uh, Yeah, he was. And it's funny because as I was watching, um, as I was watching the movie, uh, my 19-year-old son walked in the room, mm. and he's seen it before. And he actually asked me that. He said, Dad, you think uh you think Sal was racist? He said he asked me if I thought Pino was racist, if I thought Vino was racist, and then he asked me if I thought Sal was racist. Um, I told him I thought Pino was, Vino wasn't, but Sal was. And I think so. And I think Sal Sal reminded me of a lot of people that I think we've encountered over the years. And you know, you can tell how you know, like in his mind, he's mm-hmm. probably not racist, mm-hmm. you know, because he kept asking Pino, like, why are you so angry? Why are you so, you know, they had to sit down there face to face. He was like, why are you so mad? And he was like, you know, you, but even when Pino starts spewing off these racist things, he doesn't correct them or step in and say, son, nah, that's mm-hmm. not how I raised you. Like I come to work at Planet of the Apes. I don't like being around them, the animals. Why you got so much anger in you? Why are they? Why? My friends, they laugh at me. They laugh right in my face. They tell me, God, go to bed, stack. Go, go feed the movies. Do your friends put money in your pocket, Pino? Food on your table. They pay your rent, the roof over your head. Huh? They're not your friends. If they were your friends, they wouldn't laugh at you. But what can I say? I don't want to be here. They don't want us here. We should stay in our own neighborhood. Stay in Bensonhurst, and the niggas should stay in theirs. I never had no trouble with these people. I sat in this window. I watched these little kids get old. And I seen the old people get older. Yeah, sure, some of them don't like us, but most of them do. I mean, for Christ's sake, Pino, they grew up on my food. On my food. And I'm very proud of that. Well, you may think it's funny, but I'm very proud of that. Look, what I'm trying to say, son, is... uh, South's famous pizzeria is here to stay. I'm sorry. I'm your father and I love you. I'm sorry, but but that's the way it is. You know, because technically that's probably is how I raised you. You know, I probably said some things that made you think this way about black people. And, um, but no, Sal was definitely racist now, but he was kind of like a lot of people at that particular time. A lot of people now, you know, racist, but they like who they like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and he had a, he didn't really have a problem with Mookie, but he really liked Jade, you know. And Mookie, and and that that Mookie scene pissed. bothered the shit out Which of Which one? Because when he was talking to Jade, you know, that bothered me as a man because it's like you don't want bugging out there. You don't want mm. Radio Raheem there. Hell, we don't. I mean, most days you don't want Mookie there. 
but Jay, oh, oh, Jay, oh, come on in. You know, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you a special thing. Are you all nice and stuff to the to the sister? Mm-hmm. What's up with that? You know, and then you know, Spike Lee, of course, he's funny. He's, he's just trying to bone and just trying to picture Sal trying to step to, mm-hmm. to Jade is funny, but you know that scene was was troublesome, and um, but no, he he was definitely racist, definitely racist, and he justified Radio Raheem's death. By that's saying, great, you know, yeah. all he had to do was turn the music down. No, you had you had to call the cops. You didn't have to smash his radio, you know. So, yeah, he he, he was definitely racist. Rain, please don't breathe into yes. the you're breathing a little too hard into the mic, sir. I'm just want to let you know that because I'm so angry. No, um, fuck that nigga. Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> racist. Um, to your point, you are infatuated with this black woman, who might I add, mm-hmm. does not. Well, whatever. I'm gonna go there. You infatuated with this black woman, and you are so proud of having been in this community for 25 years and want to be here for 50 more. But even aside from the violence you enacted against Radio Raheem's property, nigger came out of your lips so effortlessly. Man, if mm-hmm. I call myself being a pillar in a certain community, my default insult should not be a racial slur. It should be you big ugly motherfucker, you stupid where and that's not even better, but like nigger came out of your I mean, mouth even so worse. Ever, it's jungle music. Easy. That I mean that too. <laughs> that was, that, that, is, well. that is well. Turn that jungle Bro. music down. Oh, I forgot about jungle music. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 yeah, so he's very much there's no way um there's no way to dress it up, but he's like every regular, everyday white person you run into. For the most part, like this is it. I don't think I'm racist. No, I, I hired a black man. I like this black girl. I can like black folks all day long. I can like having sex with black people. But if all my other parts of my life is to work against those people, black people, then no, I'm not. What? I'm not pro black. The fuck? So no, that nigga was racist as fuck. And his kids was dumb as shit. And when I made the comment earlier about Vino, I actually meant Pino. So my apologies. I take that back. But split his throat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. For me, I think it was a lot of hidden agenda. Well, I ain't going to say agenda. But it was. Yeah. Sal was racist. He just. He had been in that neighborhood for so long. He just knew how to hide it. Because when he got to that point, when mm-hmm. <laughs> even him going crazy over. um. Radio Raheem playing his music in there, and he's just like Radio Raheem was basically saying, "Hey man, all he had to do was ask me politely to turn it down, and I would have did it." You know what I'm saying? People love going to his his pizzeria, so on and so forth. I think a lot of people ask that question because of the conversation he had with Vino. Was it Vino? I hate their names, Vino and Pino. But you <laughs> know, know, he right. said, "Yo, I've seen people get older." And obviously, I've seen people get old. I've seen young people get older. And then he said, I have a, he, I feel good about people living, growing up off of my pizza. So a lot of people mm-hmm. felt like, yo, Sal's not really racist. He loves that neighborhood. But to me. Did he live in that neighborhood? Exactly. Um, <laughs> to me, Sal was just really, he had been there for so long. He just knew how to hide it. And he liked, again, he liked who he liked. People were the the he, you're some of the good ones like, you know huh. Mookie's right. sister was one of the good ones like, you're cool come on in here and have a slice I'm gonna make you a very special slice now, I don't really feel like he was coming on to her, 
Shit. Well, he was. I mean, he was. You trying for to get real? The draws? I just thought he was just a old. Yeah. You know, well, no, mm. he did. I just felt like he was just a. He was just a no. <laughs> older white dude that just was like, uh, you. I just felt like he was like, you're one of the good ones. So, nah. I mean, he he thought like that, but you also have to remember too, like even that type of mentality can breed, you know, a level of resentment, you know, because he mentioned when 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 Pino asked him about, uh, you know, we can we can get a pizzeria where we live. We can we can have mm. one there. He was like, "Well, no, but there's mm. too many where we live." So here it is. You know, you've had this business, so you you can't. Let's say you live in Bensonhurst, which is a section of Brooklyn. Um, you live. Let's let's say you live in Bensonhurst. So you there's too many pizzerias for you to open up in, in Bensonhurst mm. and make money. But you've been coming to Bed Stuy for 25 years and making money, and this is how you've supported your family, and this is what you do. And so. But you don't you haven't done anything to involve the people other than hire one mm-hmm. little black kid and you service all these black people. And then you're v- more than flirtatious with this black woman. No. And, and I think there's subconsciously the people in that community thought, like Rain said, because he was there and because he's been there so long, they think, oh, he, he can't be racist. He, he's mm-hmm. he, he down because yeah. he with us. No, you're not down. You're you're a business person who's taking advantage of an opportunity. He's no different from the Koreans that are across the street. Those Koreans didn't live there either. You know, and I found even watching it again, it, it, it took me back to the battle between the blacks and the Koreans. Even when we think back to 30 years ago of the uh, LA riots, uh, because there was a clash there because a lot of the Koreans and I, I listened to a couple of podcasts and they talked about how over that period of time, Koreans and and I think um your man I can't remember his name one of the three wise men he made a uh, comment he said they just got off the boat ML. and they got you know I this think business ML here. ML so there's a level of re- ML ML that's his name so ML was saying like they just got off the boat meaning like they just got mm-hmm. here and they were able to establish and put a business in our neighborhood but I've been here thirty years and I ain't never had the opportunity mm-hmm. to make to have a business and so when you have a pizzeria like Sal from someone someone who doesn't live in a neighborhood and you got the Koreans who are across the street, you know, there's a level of resentment building in the, even though you're servicing the people, or at least it appears mm. that you're servicing the people. There's still a level of resentment building, especially if you don't involve yourself in some type of way in that community other than taking yep. money from them. Because, you know, and that's gentrification at its, that's gentrification mm-hmm. 101. You know, you can go to certain parts of Brooklyn that now Sal could walk around in no problem. And they used to be black neighborhoods, you know, and it's think times have changed. I mean, we've seen that with cities all across the country. But I said all that to say this. No, he, he definitely did not, you know, include himself to even make himself feel like he was a part of that community. So in a lot of ways, in my opinion, Sal kind of came off like he was better mm. than that community. So you can't be better than black people and be in a black neighborhood and think everything's cool. So no, the window yeah. had to get busted. Yeah, yeah. And in real life, in real life, Sal probably dies. Yeah, Dude. he probably dies. He probably they, they they probably kill him right there because you took Radio Raheem. We're gonna take you. Either either, either they would have killed him yeah, or his yeah. sons. One yeah. of them. Wow. Very. I say who sold out the mayor. 
Man. Let me get you, you white folks across the street we, we to we a safe area. We're going to touch on the man's and we're going to leave the man alone, man. When we get to the, get to the category. Man. I love the mayor, dog. I, that's gonna be, I hope that's me. I, I want to be the mayor. Too, Fuck it. <laughs> yep. So, so, I, I do. Get you a blue blazer now. <laughs> Yeah. Give me, take a look. <laughs> I knew a dude. We'll talk about it later. We, I had a. It was a dude in my neighborhood that used to call me Doctor. Like he was the mayor, but he, he was like, "Hey, Doctor, what wow. you doing over here?" Mm-hmm. And you, you, you know what's you know what's interesting? I found about the movie too, and maybe you, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but as hot as it was, everybody yeah. was outside. Oh, you got to be like so. You real so that means you. It's really hot, so you can't even be. It's so hot, you can't even be in your. You're better off outside than than you are yeah, inside. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. All right, it is movie nerd knowledge time. So the budget for the movie was six point five million dollars. Can you guys guess how much it made opening weekend? What is it? Um, opening weekend it ain't movie. It made at least that's a Marvel bucks. movie number, boy. Sixteen. It probably it probably made it. It definitely made it. It, it definitely made six million. I'd probably say ten million. But I, I do know everybody went to everybody that I know went to see that movie opening weekend, mm. and it was packed. It was sold out. I do remember Rank that. Me, me. <laughs> this ain't prices <laughs> right, bro. <laughs> right. Oh, what's your business? Opening <laughs> weekend, it made three point five million dollars. Opening week really? because wow. I thought it because of the back. controversy, okay. its opening weekend mm. only opened up in Less screens a little bit more than five hundred theaters. Oh, nigga. Yeah, they yep. shot sitting yep. up the yep. hill. So, on opening weekend, because of the 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 amount of theaters that it was opened up for or went to, because it wasn't that many, mm-hmm. um, it went in at number eight. So, it opened up at number mm-hmm. eight. Now, mm-hmm. because of the controversy or the what the, the theaters were making the controversy about, um, it never really got past that number eight spot. It actually went down and down every week. Um now a lot of that was uh, being blamed, which is rightfully so, being blamed on um, a lot of the reviews because it got a lot of reviews. I know Cisco and Ebert gave it like two stars. First of all, fuck them. Yeah, they didn't like it. I, I remember watching that review. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it at all. Um, it never it really hated. got out of the gate and be able to go higher than what it was supposed to be, but it did. And uh, its overall gross in the U.S. and Canada. Um, Twenty-seven point five million dollars. Good. So it Good. made its money. It made its money, and then worldwide it was thirty-seven point two mil. So it made mm. its money, man. Can y'all guess? Okay. <laughs> can y'all guess the top five movies of that year of of that weekend? Or just do you? Th- well, not that week. Rumble not top. even five. Give me. What do you think was number one that weekend? Uh, Rambo. Robocop. Batman. Batman. Yeah, okay. the, the Wait, which one? The original, yeah. the OG yeah. Batman. Michael Michael the original. Yeah. Okay. Here's the top five movies. Mm. Here's the top five movies of that weekend: Batman, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Karate Kid oh. Three, Ghostbusters Two, and Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. Oh, nigga, it was going up against some heat. <laughs> yeah, some heavy hitters. Yeah, oh, I love you, Spike, but Lord, yeah, brother, that would have been difficult. Yeah, but you have to understand, man. But but if you put it in, if you put it in all those theaters that Batman right. was in, who knows? Yeah, because black folks, we like nerd right. shit and we like black shit. So. Yeah. Oh, facts. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy, man. I think it got a, it just got a bad rap coming out of the gate. 
Um, so in June 2006, <clears throat> Entertainment Weekly magazine placed Do the Right Thing at number two on its list of most controversial movies ever. Um, ever? Yeah. Well, you have to examine the word controversial. Okay. I mean, what what's what is controversial about this movie? You know, and controversial mm, to whom? No. Because we didn't view it as a controversy. That was based on right. real life events. Right. Very, so. very interesting that he did that movie. Um, the three wise men, Robin Harris, Paul Benjamin, and, and Frankie Faison, all of their lines were improvised, mm-hmm. believe it or not. I, I can, I can so believe Were it. they supposed to be Caribbean? <laughs> no. I know Sweet Dick Willie wasn't. They, but they, okay. ML, ML had an ML had an accent. You see, I, I thought, um, what's the other nigga? Well, Coconut. Co- yeah, uh, I thought I heard Coconut. some. That was Frankie with Faison. him too, but I, I don't know. I was like, damn, I think these niggas are Caribbean. Man, those those were my uncles. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my uncles was <laughs> no right. Robin Harris definitely wasn't Caribbean. Robin Harris, sweet. man, rest in peace. Jeez, His name is Sweet Dick Willie. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no. Sweet he no. I never got Caribbean from him. But the other two, I was like, I'm hearing some faint. So I'm thinking, cause I whatever. Yeah, it's it's yeah. wild. ML ML. He he definitely it's has wild. Some. It is wild. I I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike Lee wrote this script in two weeks. I'm telling people, I'm mm. Spike okay. was Spike was. <laughs> he was writing Mo Better Blues while he was directing this movie. Oh, that's what's up. That's wow. so crazy. Wow. Um, the scene where Danny Aiello and John Turturro have the talk in the pizzeria approximately midway through the film was improvised as well. Part, part of it was improvised. The scripted scene ended with okay. uh, the character Smiley who approached the window and everything after that everything after that until the mm. end of the scene was completely ad-libbed. Mm, I like that. Wow. They was having like actors it. acting on here for real. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when he went outside, mm-hmm. uh, Sweet Dick Willie yeah. and them were yelling at him, and then that's you see Sal come out. He's he's going back and forth with them. Nah, okay. I thought that was that was dope. That was dope. Yeah. Um, former President Barack Obama says this was him and Michelle's first date movie in 1989. Mm, Southside with you, that. all right? Go ahead, Barack. We need you back, brother. <laughs> we need you I back. I know, right? So what? What they did to do after Rain watching this black nah, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle's a queen. Don't ever do that. <laughs> but she have sex. No. <laughs> yeah, I, doing the right thing really wasn't. No, yeah. Was so I was like, that ending. Yeah, that ending yeah. would have killed all that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Boys in the hood? Yeah. Yo. But do the right thing? No. Um, the character of Smiley, which was from the actor Roger Guinevere Smith. Um, mm-hmm. was not originally in the mm-hmm. script. Um, he was mm-hmm. actually approached by Spike Lee uh, requesting a role, and the scenes were added during shooting of the movie. You know what? Wow. Okay. I'll, okay. Well, Go ahead. What? Um, no, I don't want you to get me. No. Um, I would. I would even <laughs> say that he was probably just as big a character as Radio Raheem. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I and for him to it. be like a later addition. Yo, that was seamless. That I would never guess yeah. that. And that's tough too because you're actually stuttering in every mm-hmm. line and you can mess up your vocabulary mm-hmm. doing that. That was that was very interesting. 
Very interesting. Spike Lee said that the project was originally supposed to be at Paramount Pictures, but the studio was worried about the climax and wanted to tone it down. Spike Lee refused, and the same weekend, Paramount turned the project down, said, nope, we're going to reject it. He went to Universal Pictures, pitched it to him. They picked it up. Hmm. That's so crazy, man. Like, people were really scared of this movie. White people were scared of this movie. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> yeah, because you got to remember now at this t- at this time, I think I don't think if John Singleton hadn't directed a movie yet, he probably was starting to direct. But Spike Lee was the only black mm-hmm. director, only popular black director, I should say, because I think Mario Van Peebles was still yeah. directing. But, you know, Spike yeah. was the guy and white folks at that time. And they didn't know how to take Spike like they were they were literally mm-hmm. scared of Spike. So when Spike Lee was directing something that brought a level of concern. And then when people started getting wind about what this movie was about, it was like, Oh hell no, we yeah. can't let him do this. And they did. Every, and I'm even looking back on it now, like I said, I was 16 when this movie came out. I do remember they did everything they could to hold this movie back. And it still resonated with so many people. It, it was, but I mean like they hated on it. I, I can't ever remember reading one good review about this movie. Mm. And I read a lot of reviews about the movie after I yeah. saw it. But there was not one yeah. good review. I'm going back through those reviews, just going, just doing my research, n- nobody. And at that time, it wasn't mm. really black, re- it wasn't really black movie reviewers at that time either. People was, mm-hmm. people was down on this. No. And it felt like they were, they were really trying to keep this movie from happening. They really did what they could to suppress this movie from actually being better than what it is. Um, yeah. I know there was a at the 1990 Oscars. This is part of the research I didn't put in here, but I thought it was very interesting for best film. You know, they were reading off the nominees, and of all people, Kim Basinger was like, "You guys missed one, and that was do the right thing." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's so it's so crazy." Um, in 2019, Spike Lee became the first person of color to be nominated for an Academy Award for both. Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, he was nominated for writing Do the Right Thing in 1989 for Best Original Screenplay, and he was nominated in 2018 for Black Klansman. And mm, he only fun. won for Black Klansman. He did not win for Do the Right Thing. Must be a suppressor. That's... When somebody <laughs> says you're the first black person to do X, Y, and Z for the Academy Awards in 1989, like... And the Academy Awards have been around for a very long time. That's crazy. This tripped me out. Check this out. The scene with Silent bugging out where they argue about no brothers being on the wall. The only, uh, they're only American Italians. Did you know that Juan Carlo Esposito, half Italian, half black? Well, did not know that. I thought he was black and Hispanic. <laughs> I knew oh. he, I knew he was, but I, I didn't know it at the time. I knew it later in life, um, because he's always cast as like a black person, mm-hmm. and I remember. To me, he was very <laughs> spicy black in the way that like Captain Data Jones is spicy white, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so when I learned that, like, so when watching this, I didn't know. I thought because he looked like some of my cousins, hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. That that's very that that makes that scene a little bit more layered than right than at first watch. Right. Mm. 
And you know what else I picked up on? And it's something you touched on a little earlier, Cole, in that scene is that they're they're arguing, and even with the Radio Raheem scene, when they're arguing with Sal, but you never see the two characters <laughs> together, like face to face. They're always you get yep. one view of Sal yelling, you get one view of bugging out yelling, and it's just and even when they go into the like right after that scene, they go into the diatribes where everybody's hurling mm-hmm. racial slurs and it's just front facing. You're talking to the camera. You're talking about white people. You're talking about black people and you're giving all of these racial slurs. That, that, that scene was powerful. And it, but it wasn't until watching it recently that I realized like they're talking to the camera. They're mm-hmm. not talking to Spike, each other. Spike was ahead of his time, man. Mm-hmm. He was. Spike he was really ahead was. of his mm-hmm. time. All right. Here is some interesting recastings that I found. I can't wait for you guys to hear these recastings. So, Spike Lee's first choice for Pino, Matt Dillon. Very that interesting. Been interesting. I'm glad you said that, 12 Kyle. Originally, the mm-hmm. mayor. Y'all will never guess this. And when I seen it and I found this out, I was it was crazy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> That's gonna always be your answer. Rich Bryan. <laughs> Originally, the mayor was supposed to be played by James Earl Jones. Wow. See, hold up. Wow. I don't hmm. I don't know if that would have that wouldn't have played how could he, he played. Could he have pulled that off, though? Could he have pulled that I off? I think he could I don't. have. He probably I don't think have. so. Not because he don't have the acting chops. But In 89? No, no, no. It's not because he didn't have the acting chops. I think he's very grand. I don't know. Maybe he could have, but mm-hmm. I don't, there's I don't one, know, man. There's one reason why he can pull it off, and you probably ain't never seen this movie, Rain, but you need to watch it. Claudine, if you ever seen a movie called Claudine, mm, okay, old school. If you ain't never seen Claudine, I love that movie. Watch Claudine and tell me. He, I know he can play the mayor. He plays a trash can mm. in Claudine, a, okay. not a trash, a trash man in Claudine. Bro, fuck you. No, I'm saying you, trash can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you gotta watch Claudine. Okay. Have I seen uh, Claudine? I'm looking at images now. I feel like I. Claudine came out in the seventies. Hey, I, yeah, I y'all need to meet my that. uncles, and, and that's how I know all of these movies. My uncles, I didn't. No, I, I'm. I seen the Mac before I was supposed to really be able to see it. Yeah, the Mac. <laughs> I, I seen. I, I seen a lot of old school movies. Take it to the top, baby. I can right. take it to the top. Okay, okay then I'm, I'll, I'll go with you there, y'all. I say you. Here's here's something that really tripped me out too, and I, now this is one I don't think that'll work. The original, um, originally the role for Radio Raheem was offered to Lawrence Fishburne. He couldn't because he that. had to make. Um, I forgot. Well, I didn't put it down. The Matrix. So they was gonna. They was gonna. Pee-wee's Playhouse. They was gonna do Lawrence Fishburne was supposed to originally play Radio Raheem. I don't know the dude. Well, that I mean, he was in he was in school days, so I could I could see and even, um, you know, bugging out John Carlo Esposito being in in school days as well. I mean, you saw a mm-hmm. couple of faces from other Spike and, and Spike's he, over through the years of his movies, you've seen some yeah. of the same familiar. He uses faces. the same so, casting director, which is uh, Robin Reed. That's not Robin a Reed is is his yeah. Mm-hmm. Robin Reed. She's mm-hmm. always casting for him. I don't think that would have worked. Is it his size? Yeah. Is that why? Or just it's yeah, okay? Because that's that's the okay. only issue I have with it. He's not big. Yeah. Now, back then he definitely wasn't swole. So that ending though still would have worked. I don't think would have been 
as impactful. Well, a dead body is a dead body, but Radio Raheem is so massive. <laughs> so yeah, no. Uh, I got two more recastings that was supposed to happen. This is crazy. Um, Joe Montega and Joe Pesci was considered for Sal. Mm, okay. I don't think Joe Pesci, he too short to play Sal. Joe Montana, probably so. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see that. I wouldn't care. All right. And here's the biggest one that I found out. So, originally, and Spike Lee fought for it and fought for it and the actor denied it. Originally, Sal was supposed to be played by Robert De Niro. Oh, that's, that's wow. interesting. He mm. fought for it. De Niro actually turned the role down because he had prior commitments and he felt like he was playing too many Italian, <laughs> the same type of character. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but yeah, I, I think I could... I could see him. I think he got the chops. He probably he he could have definitely yeah, pulled it off. But you know, De Niro, I, De Niro, you know, De, De Niro has has a thing for black so women. Did. So you know that that might have made him that might have made him a little mm, you know yeah. public enemy number one. So he might not have been a get. Quick able question: to play, he got a black wife? So oh, yeah, he did. He he does. He met they, if they're still together. Yeah, I don't know if they're still. Together, quick question. Quick question. Quick answer. De Niro in the role of Sal, does this movie get an Oscar nomination? Quiet. Tell look, 12 Kyle. No. Whoa. Because Spike Lee, Spike Lee directed. I mean, like, people, they shitted on this movie. There are pundits that would have preferred if this movie didn't even mm. exist. So, no. Even he, with he De Niro? It's great. It, even with De Niro. No. De Niro, De Niro might bring more white faces to see this movie. But nah, nah. Rain, De Niro. You put De Niro in the movie. He gets he gets nominated for Oscar. No, eighty nine back then. No, because again, I think you're still bringing Mm, more eyes and attention to this movie that clearly they do not want to even be out. Nope. You know, Um, especially if it has the same ending. Um, There's a possibility, and I would say even if that was the case, it would be very slim. I think he might bring more <laughs> eyes, but I think there's also more stress from white folks. Like, oh my god, I can't yeah. believe you did this. The Negroes are attacking. Like, oh, I feel like it would have. I feel like you put De Niro as Sal and make this movie, and I feel like they he's up for that movie's up for. But well, maybe I, no. But also, I, how tall I, is I, De Niro? Huh. I said, also, how tall is he? Is he short? <laughs> I don't think De Niro is tall. Think, um, it's important. Danny Aiello's not that tall either. Yeah, but next to Mookie, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. It's like them playing off each other. But whatever, maybe that's just me. But I don't, I don't, I think that wouldn't be a good, kind of good casting either. But I just feel like De Niro had the chops. I feel like you put him in that movie, and I think that you can't deny the movie an Academy Award nomination for best movie. That's how I'm looking. That's how I feel like. That's how I feel like. How strong, especially in '89, I really feel mm-hmm. like De Niro's star was that strong that it could give it the push that it needed to be. At least, even if it didn't make the money, I still feel like mm-hmm. they would be like, "We got to consider this because this guy De Niro just puts everything over the top." Mm-hmm. You may be right, but you know, mm-hmm. they said they shitted on it. They did shit on this movie, though. <laughs> sure did. All right, 
my favorite part of the podcast. It's time for the categories. I will start with 12 Cow. 12 Cow, where did you rewind? What were some of the favorite scenes that you had in this movie? Definitely the scene where Pino and Mookie are talking and he breaks it down, you know, his he breaks basically breaks down Pino's level mm. of racism. Pino, who's your favorite basketball player? Magic Johnson. Who's your favorite movie star? Eddie Murphy. Who's your favorite rock star? Prince. You're a Prince boss. Bruce. Prince. Bruce. Pino, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince are not niggas. I mean, they're not black. I mean, let me explain myself. They're, they're not really black. I'm, I mean, they're black, but they're not really black. They're, they're more than black. It's, it's, it's different. It's different? Yeah, to me, it's, it's different. Pino, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. Get the fuck out of here. Laugh if you want to. You know, your hair is kinkier than mine. What does that mean? And you know what they say about dark Italians? You know, I've been listening and reading. You've been reading now? I read. I've been reading about your leaders. Reverend Al, Mr. Do, Sharp Tone, Jesse. Keep hope alive. That's fucked up. Keep hope alive. Hey, that's fucked. Don't talk about Jess. And uh, even uh, the other guy, what's his name? Uh, Farrakhan. Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan. Right, sorry. Minister Farrakhan. Anyway, Minister Farrakhan always talks about the so-called day when, when the black man will rise. We will one day, what does he say? We will one day rule the earth as we did in, in our glorious past? Yeah, that's right. What past are you talking about? I mean, what, what did I miss? We started civilization. Man, keep dreaming, man. Then you woke up. Pino, fuck you, fuck your fucking pizza, and fuck Frank Sinatra. Yeah? Well, fuck you too, and fuck Michael um, Jackson. You know, you can't be accepting of Magic Johnson and uh, Prince and Michael whoever Jackson. else he, he named. You know, you know, basically saying, like, we if if you think of us as niggas, you know, but how is it that you think that of us, but you're okay with the ones that entertain mm-hmm. you, you know, and we're and just trying to show them like, well, we're more than that. We're, we're more than just that. We, we all, and you know, that scene I think was very important because a lot of people, a lot of white folks, particularly at that particular mm-hmm. time, that's how they viewed us. Like, you know, oh, he's not, you know, <laughs> it's like the old line, you know, I'm not black, I'm OJ. <laughs> like, you know, OJ Simpson. So, so yeah, you know, so that's that's what that was. Um, but yeah, I rewound there. Definitely did a rewind on the ice scene. Thank God for nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie Perez was so fine. This one, oh, look at Rosie. Good yes, sir. Lord. Yes, sir. And she still yes. looked good at fifty-seven. What else? And there was another scene that I, I hit rewind. Um, oh. When the when when the white white dude stepped on um my man on bugging out Jordans, that scene was that scene that scene is always a little funny knowledge that I didn't put in here, but I I found it. That is Danny Aiello's son. Oh, yeah, yeah. I you know I I saw that in the credits. I didn't realize that was him until that's I saw that. Yeah, that's his son, uh, Danny. I think Danny mm. third or something like that. Danny or Danny Junior something like that. I can't remember, but yeah, those those scenes huh. I hit rewind. Interesting. On. Rain, what, where where did you rewind at? What, what were some of your favorite scenes? 
Ahmad yelling at the mayor, not because I don't like the mayor, nothing like that, but it's seeing these badass kids, <laughs> these folk kids fucking up the, <laughs> the, the the neighborhood. But that scene in particular was so interesting to me um, because he's giving all this energy and this heat to this man who then is giving you this very sad story. And he's like, Ahmad, Ahmad is the one who's like, yeah, let, let's hear him out, let's hear him out. But then comes back when I would never let my wife see me mm-hmm. like comes back against everything that the mayor saying. I was like, God damn, like that's a space where um, there was no like, quote unquote, respect for your elders because you saw the mayor as less than mm-hmm. though he was doing these little things yep. around the neighborhood, like saving that boy's life and whatnot. It still wasn't good enough um, to garner respect from this young kid. And regardless to. Kind of where you fall on that, I thought that was such an interesting scene because the hate wasn't coming from an equal. Even the hate from mother sister mm-hmm. was very much like, get your drunk ass on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you disgusted nigga who ate bout shit like a mom was going in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um He was going in for I, I ran that back. Also the ice scene, but for totally different reasons. That was the most unsexy scene to me. <laughs> Um, only because Spike is not smooth. I was like, and and I'll tell you this, remembering the scene in my head was so much better. It was like, in my head, like nice smooth music, slowly moving the ice on her body. He was like talking real sweet. But once his weird ass voice came on, ice on the thighs, ice on the thighs, I'm like, what the fuck? But uh, (laughs) I did enjoy. Here's a little Hmm? tidbit of knowledge for that scene. That yeah. was now everybody knows this is Rose Perez's first movie. Rose Perez mm-hmm. cried after that because she was she agreed to go be yeah. naked on the in mm-hmm. the scene. That's why you don't see her face. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, but it was I did enjoy that scene, but it was just so funny to me that he I was like, Oh, this is not sexy. Maybe it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. She was, but hearing him, I was like, Oh, how did you make this baby? Where did Hector come from? <laughs> this nigga. Well, you know, well, let me, let me, let me shoot him, shoot Spice okay. Bell, uh, Rain. He had to adjust how his sex scenes were. So if you go back and look at Spike's earlier mm-hmm. movies from Do the Right Thing to uh, School Days, um, she's got to have it with mm-hmm. something yeah. totally different yes. as far as sex scenes were concerned. But, you know, there was so much pressure and so much heat on this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't, okay. he couldn't, he had to be very okay. particular about, you know, because back then, you know, it was, you had, you know, back then you didn't even have PG 13. It was just G you could, movies can be rated G PG R or NC 17, mm-hmm. meaning that you couldn't see it if you were under 17. So yeah, I think that was that probably spoke to the fact that he was limited okay. as far as what he could show. So we, all, I mean, the only nudity we get in the because this was an R-rated movie, we get you know violence, obviously, uh, profanity, and you know, two yeah. nipples. That was it. So you wasn't going to see. And and to be honest, and we talked about it on the um, <laughs> where we talked about uh, Jason's <laughs> lyric. You know, love scenes and how we were able to yeah. be shown and shot back then, <laughs> you know, totally different from how it is now. You know, so y'all remember the conversation yeah, yeah. we had. But, um, yeah, that, so that's probably See, why. But that's not even my issue. It's him. <laughs> it's not even the No, oh, I know okay. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Okay. But, I mean, like, the, 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 
it was only his hands were tied. Okay, That's no, no. Then I, I'll his hands were tied. So. I'll, I'll default to that. But but you, to your point, yeah, you he probably could have just we probably could have done without the commentary. No, but it was well, it was also comical because yes. it's like, you know, thank God for but, thighs. Thank God for elbows. <laughs> right. I'm like, what are you talking about? But man? you know what? Now that you say you that, I do woman. I retract my previous issue because I'm I'm like, he's not a how do I put this? He's not your average black man that's portrayed in media. So I'll I'll take all of that back because he's right, awkward right, as shit, right. little nerdy nigga. So you know what? Yeah, yeah, that's I take Spike. that back. Nerdy niggas need love too. And that's so Spike. yes, that's, that's I, I like that scene now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking. <laughs> so no, you okay? You, you yeah. convinced me. Um, yeah, so I, I just had to put a little. Context yeah, that makes to that it, makes man. sense. That does make me feel a little bit better about the scene too. So I'm okay with it now, but. Ooh. Yeah. Cause if they if they are like, you know, boning like uh, Denzel was Mo in um, Mo ah! Better Blues, yeah, hey. with with uh, with the backdrop of what this movie was, that uh-uh. shit ain't coming out, bro. <laughs> no, I guess. no, it no, it probably would. Denzel, Denzel. Was doing his thing. Well, I mean, but with what I'm saying, not not Mo Better Blues. I'm saying like with all of the controversy coming around, do the right thing. If you put a Real mm-hmm. sex scene in here? No, that shit ain't coming out. <laughs> they was looking for a reason to get Spike right. ass up out of there. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, and lastly, for me, the scenes were um anywhere where Jay, I'm sorry, Jade and Mookie were arguing. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I found funny mm-hmm. is that they would argue intensely, but then it end with laughter. And I was like, wait a minute, wait. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Is this wild. is healthy. I think this is healthy. Jay. What? Mookie, how come you're not as sounds? I'm working. What is this, Mookie? Another one of your patented two-hour lunch breaks? I wanted to come home and take a quick shower. Hey, Sal's gonna be mad. You know, lady for Sal, you know, sometimes I think you're more concerned about him and me, and I'm your own brother. Yeah, yeah, Mookie, that's real smart. You know, Sal pays you, Mookie. That's why you should work. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, I work. Slavery days are over. My name ain't Kunta Kinte. Yeah, Mookie. I just don't want you to lose the one job you've been able to keep for more than a month. That's all, okay? I'm carrying you as it is. Don't worry about me. I'll always get paid. Yeah, you always get paid. What about your responsibilities, huh? Why don't you take better care of those? What responsibilities? What responsibilities? What are you, deaf, Mookie? You know damn well what I'm talking about. Take care of your responsibilities, all right? Who are you yelling at anyway? (laughs) Who are you yelling at? I'm yelling at you! I'm gonna take care of the shower. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think that was intentional or do you think they started laughing and they kept I, I it? I think they I I honestly think they kept it and I would imagine that it probably worked okay. out. And and that's another thing that I think felt better because I didn't see this movie in a while. That first scene made them look mm-hmm. like lovers. Mm-hmm. And so once you realize that they're siblings, yes. the fact that you argue and laugh and joke, I think was felt so yes. different yes. from Mookie and Tina where they was going at it. Um, so I, I did appreciate mm-hmm. that. I, I think it was an accident and it just kept working out that way. Cause I was like, Oh, they finna box. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought they was fucking cause they did it. And the, they did it in that scene. And then the scene after uh, when, when, when he was telling, when they were standing outside up against mm-hmm. the wall, they started, you know, they're going back and forth and then they started laughing. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's like, and when he was taking the shower, before he took the shower, they did the same yeah, thing. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, are they supposed to be laughing or is that just something where it happened and it the way it was shot, like, okay, well, let's yeah. just keep it. 
and it's something like I said, little nuances that I don't. I know I didn't pick up on mm-hmm. back then, but looking at it now, yeah. I think I picked up on. But I, I saw that too. But I'm like you, man, because I, I hadn't seen the movie in so long. And I think the last couple of times that I saw it, I saw it on TV. So that's an yeah. edited version. So the version of you know when they show him laying, and I was like, wait a minute, because Jade is real Spike Lee's sister mm-hmm. in real oh. life. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you didn't know mm-hmm. that? Yeah, mm-hmm. her name is Joy Lee. That's his real. Either Joy or Jody. I think, I think it's, it's yep, one Joy Lee. Yeah. Um, but no, that's, that's his real. Yeah, that's his, oh, that's his sister in real life. So I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, man, you. I was like, wait a minute. Are they hey. Then I was like, "Oh!" And then she was like, "He said something about yeah, you, this is how you gonna treat your brother." I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "But you, for you to be her brother, you all up on like that, bro? What's the hell going on here?" Alabama, in New York. <laughs> well, there was migration. The great migration. Alabama. Spike's dad no, is from yeah. Alabama for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Spike's born and raised here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Well, born in Atlanta. I don't know if he was raised in Atlanta. I know he was born West in West Philadelphia. Was that all you seen? Yeah, and of course the ending. Like the whole entirety of the ending. From Spike throwing that damn trash can mm-hmm. to... Uh, really, no, no. I, and honestly, truthfully, Smiley lighting that match. I was clapping. So that part where he lit that match. Why him? I wonder. Mm-hmm. Cause why? Not? Cause it, that nigga was being beat up the whole fucking movie. I, I know that, but I just, you know, mm-hmm. he was, you know, they they said, you know, you know that boy ain't right. I just, it was, I don't know. I was just like, why did you pick him? But I think that's the best. Cause who, truthfully, looking at the cast, who else would it have made sense? Like them four out. kids was already out with Martin with the little lisp. They was out fighting, um, and then he's the one mm-hmm. to me who goes unnoticed. And he's the one who's been beat yeah. up verbally the whole movie, even by Mookie and not necessarily being like intentionally evil or mean. It's just like a kid getting in the way when you having a uh, conversation. Mm. So I feel like for him, it was probably his breaking point. He said, fuck you. He said one of the police officers was black. Like he, because he quote unquote ain't right, doesn't mean that he's um, experiencing these emotions any less. No, uh, most um, And I think he was the perfect, the perfect person to light that match because he's going unseen for real. Mm. Like people not mm-hmm. really seeing him the way they see others. He spit on that oh, nigga when they was oh fighting. Oh God, yeah, he, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. I said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, I didn't catch that at first. All the other times that I saw it, I was like, oh, hey, oh shit, he's spitting, on, spitting on people. He's gonna do what he can do. And he can lit that bitch on fire. Good so. night. <laughs> Burn that bitch down. Yeah, that's all my scenes. Oh, uh, okay. So for me, anything that had the mayor, because where I lived at, we had a mayor too. Where's the Miller highlight? Where is the Miller highlight? No more highlight. You look what we have in Dubai. No more highlight. What kind of a joint is this? How come no more highlight? Look, doctor, this ain't Korea or China or wherever you come from. You get some Miller High Life in this fucking joint. You buy another beer. The mayor. Don't drink this lying shit. Tastes like cold pot liquor. All right, all right. But you asking a lot to make a man change his beer. You asking a lot, doctor. Oh, drunk. 
tell you about drinking in front of my stoop? Move on, you're blocking my view. You are ugly enough. Don't stare at me. The evil eye doesn't work on me. Mother, sister, you've been talking about me for 18 years. What have I ever done to you? You are a drunk fool. Besides that, the mayor don't bother nobody. And nobody don't bother the mayor but you. The mayor just tend to his own business. I love everybody. I even love you. Hold your tongue. You don't have that much love. One day, you're going to be nice to me. We may both be dead and buried, but you're going to be nice. At least civil. We used to go mm -hmm. over this dude's house. This is an older gentleman. He was, he was in a wheelchair. Mm. And he fought. What war did he fight in? He fought in some war. And he was, you know, he was living off of his yeah, um, his military stuff and social security and everything. And he used to call me doctor all the time. Like, he used to do that to me. He was just like, oh, you a, you a small one, ain't you, doctor? You know, like, he used to just talk about, and he used to send us to the store to get him stuff. Not beer, because we couldn't get beer. But he used to send us to, to the store all the time. And he's like, how much? He used to do the same thing. How much is it going to cost you to get, go to the store for me, man? You know what I'm saying? What you going to do over there, doctor? It just mm -hmm. resonated with me. I'm just like, we literally had a mayor um, drink. He used to drink bit single, the tall boys. He used to drink tall. Mm -hmm. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He used to drink tall boys. We used to go over to his house and play um, play bones, play well, play dominoes with him all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. We used to go play mm -hmm. dominoes with him because he was he was a he was just a cool older dude. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, he loved playing dominoes and all that stuff, man. It was. So anything with the doctor, just anything with the mayor, it just reminded me of him. And the mayor mm. was like, <laughs> the mayor was everywhere. But yes. there were certain scenes, like the scene where Radio Rahim and the Hispanic guy are are, are going up against mm. each other with the boom boxes. The mayor's mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. sleep. If y'all didn't notice that, <laughs> he off in the corner hey. just sleep. Yep, he was sitting there. <laughs> yep, get his he rest. Just, he's just chilling. Cause he can't he can't go in the house because it's too hot. Yeah. Did he have a house? Yeah. Uh he I thought well, he was I homeless. He, I thought he woke up in a bed somewhere. I thought he was homeless too. No, that's oh, he, after he the woke riot. up in Mother Sister's yeah, house. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was after the riot. That was her house. I thought the beginning of the Yeah, that was her house. She she let him spend I thought the, the night. beginning of the He might have hit, but we but we huh. don't know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They they weren't in the same bed, but we you know we we could assume that maybe he hit. He I, hit I just that. enjoyed the mayor because of the life lessons he used to give people, and the whole back and forth between him and mother sister, which I think mother sister is, is amazing, especially when she yeah. was getting her hair combed and she said, "Be <laughs> yeah. careful, child." Yeah. I'm oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now now you guys do know that yes. they're married, right? Yes, or we're married. Okay. Um, Ruby D, no, no, what right? did you say? Ruby D and Ossie, no, I said oh, yeah. married. Mm -hmm. Ruby D and Ossie Davis. Um, I the thing that impressed, and I actually had to stop because I wanted to go back and see how old she was when they made this. She is or was a beautiful yes. woman, and she was well off into her senior years at the time that movie mm -hmm. was made, and she yeah. still was mm -hmm. fine. Still was fine. I was like, man, this is. And they made such mm -hmm. a beautiful couple, yeah. and um, I, I really enjoyed their interactions. Yeah. I was movie. just telling Rain when we was trying to get everything together. I was like, I want to go back and watch some of the movies from earlier 
when they were, you know, back in the day and see how they was acting. Because they play off each other so well. Mm, even so when well. even when they when they're not even playing couple, you know, like when they're not even playing married, mm-hmm. I love the fact that <laughs> that she used to dog him out. He ain't nothing but old drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, "One day you gonna be nice to me, mother sister. One day you gonna be you nice might be to dead me. and gone, or <laughs> 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 well, at least civil, right?" Yeah. He was fun. Right. Um, the love hate speech that Radio Raheem gives is just amazing. Mm-hmm. When he tells the story about love and hate, and then when Radio Raheem says, "No love, these five fingers reach the reach the soul." And he was like, "Man, when I love you, I love you. But when I hate you, let me tell you the story of right hand, left hand. It's a tale of good and evil. Hate. It was with this hand that Cain iced his brother." Love. These five fingers, they go straight to the soul of man. The right hand, the hand of love. The story of life is this. Static. One hand is always fighting the other hand. And the left hand is kicking much ass. I mean, it looks like the right hand love is finished. But hold on, stop the presses. The right hand's coming back. Yeah, he got the left hand on the ropes now. That's right. Yeah, ooh, it's a devastating right and hate is hurt. He's down. Ooh, ooh, left hand hate KO'd by love. If I love you, I love you. But if I hate you, there it is, love and hate. He's like the eagle right there, and then he told he told Mookie, "I love you, brother." That whole speech was just so good. Like, God, that was that was that was dope as hell. And again, Radio Raheem didn't have a lot of speaking roles, or you know, a lot of lines in the movie, but that love and hate speech was amazing, man. Love that. Mm -hmm. Um, the three wise men on the corner, they were hilarious. Loved loved all the scenes that they have, and the end, the very end. Um, that whole mm-hmm. sequence from the time that started from the time where all four of those kids want to come in and get some a slice to to the yeah. to the very end. That whole segment of the movie just <sighs> unbelievable. Um, on the way up or down, actor actress that's moving in a good or bad direction after the movie. Rain, who'd you got? Uh, shit, who do I got? Uh, I'll probably go with Spike Lee. Yeah, didn't he do a bunch of movies after this? Um, <laughs> I mean, if you don't pick I didn't put too much thought into that. Um, I know Gian Juan Carlos don't. Esposito. Yes, es- Esposito. I can never say Juan his name. Carlos. Right. <laughs> John Carlos. Carlo. Yes, Carlos. Black Italian. Um, I know he did a lot of stuff. <coughs> Um, but I'm thinking like, is it, am I thinking more recent, like two thousands forward? Cause I can't, I can't place him in a lot of stuff in the nineties, but I was also a kid. Let me just say this, so, but I would, I'll say breaking mm-hmm. bad kind of gave him a, a career boost. Mm-hmm. But see, he played other smaller roles. The, the only thing I can remember him from before breaking bad would probably be wait, uh, waiting to exhale. 
Maybe that's that's all I can remember him from. Maybe that's and this. Um, what's well, this? Sam Jackson. Should I go with his ass? He had fucking a paragraph worth of worth of lines, and then that nigga ended up in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Quentin Tarantino got a hold of that nigga. He never not worked a day in his life. Quentin and Kevin kept that nigga working. So, um, but yeah, I go with Sam Jackson. I'm just going. With him. Kyle, what about you? Obviously, uh, Rosie Perez, uh, like you mentioned earlier, this was her first movie. Um, she she went she took off after that because she was I think coming into this I think she was like yeah a choreographer he found, um, like Spike Lee found her at a party had, dancing. That's how he they, cast her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that. And um, secondly, man, rest mm. in peace, Robin Harris. Robin Harris died in 1989. Mm. Um, so he died. Well, either 1989 or 1990, one of the two. But he literally died like the year yeah. after this movie mm-hmm. came out. And he was a rising star. And for those of you listening, if you weren't familiar with Robin Harris, do yourself a favor after you finish listening to this. Go watch some of his stand-ups. Um, he had Bebe's yes. Kids. He had a cartoon. He had an HBO special, you know, talking about test two babies. Um, he was hilarious. I mean, like, he was... This dude was mm. funny. I mean, there's a lot of people that are funny, but I mean, like Robin Harris, he ain't had to say. I mean, you, he was in, like you mentioned, Cole. He was in house party movies and stuff like that. He was, he was a rising star, and he just, you know, tragically passed mm-hmm. from, from a heart attack. Um, and um, but he was somebody that was mm. definitely on his way up. Um, for me, um, me and Kyle are on the same page. Really, well, not Robin Harris. I, I pick Rosie Perez because Rosie Perez is a pillar in Hollywood mm-hmm. now, whether y'all want to believe it or not. Um, yes. Post this movie, she had some really, um, it could happen to you. Um, White Man Can't Jump is a pivotal role for her. Oh, yeah. Um, she was in, um, oh, no question. Oh, what was that? She, she was in, she had very poignant roles. And I feel like this being her starting point really just helped her out to kind of move forward with her, with her career. And I think she she's had a very good career um, throughout the years. And you know, when you talk about you know Latino Afri- um, Latino actors or actresses, she got to come up. She got to be one of the one of the main ones to come up. So most definitely going with Rosa Perez. Uh, next category, I want that Oscar. This could go two ways. A particular actor or actress can be overacting in the movie, or a particular actor and actress can be acting their ass off. Please pick one. I will go first and just say Spike Lee. I think Spike Lee did. Spike Lee's not a good actor. <laughs> Let me just be honest. <laughs> Direct his ass off. I think this is one of the few movies where I really enjoyed his character, who he was, and what he was doing in the movie. And I most definitely feel like he was. He he did his job as Mookie. Um, he made me feel things. I think that he when he needed to be um, towards when at the end of the movie when he needed to be what he needed to be, he was there for it. Um, I I just think that he did he did an amazing job as Mookie, and he don't really do two roles for me when it comes to Spike Lee. This one and the role he played in um, Mo Better Blues. Mm. Those are the only two roles that I think he actually did a great job. Kyle, what about you? Um, I'm trying to think. I probably, <laughs> I 
I gotta go bugging out, man. I mean, is it an Oscar worthy hey. performance? No, but he he was on his way, man. I I, I really enjoyed the character because again, I I think coming from where I come from, you know, we all mm. knew somebody like that, and you know, very passionate. Uh, you know, some would call a hothead, but you know, he stuck to his principles, and um, you know, you can respect that. But um, and unapologetically mm-hmm. black. You know, you know, he he told he told me, hey, stay black, man, stay black. You know, you know, he he was he he, he was so he was so pro black, man. He, he didn't want he he just didn't want us being yeah. disrespect. And you know, I I can get behind somebody like that. So while it, they wouldn't have gotten it, was, I mean, this movie nobody was in this movie is going to get an Oscar mm-hmm. for anything. Uh, but if I had to say, you know, John Carlo Esposito as bugging his thing was, too, my, bugging out wasn't even a woke type of dude. He was just passionate about stuff he's like mm. i just want some pictures on the wall he wasn't yeah. just like you know brother you got to do this like he was just like nah man we just we spend money here just want some pictures on the wall yeah. mm-hmm. that's it nothing more <laughs> nothing less rain who you give your well, ass glad you said bugging out because i definitely wanted to pick him but i'm going to go with smiley um i think that Nigga, you so outside the, only- the box that's so dope I'm sorry. I had to just give you some props. That was that's so outside the box, and I like that. No, no, I I think you. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, but I think the only person that would have been and and let me preface this by saying I'm not saying that, um, portraying a disabled person is like this costume you can put on and you know get these accolades. But this is '89. You probably weren't going to get someone who was actually mentally challenged to play that role, and I think Martin playing that character with a lisp was the closest that we had mm-hmm. prior to Roger being in this role of someone who was seen as different or other. And I think he, Roger did a damn good job from where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was um, poorly done from, you know, from the point of view of someone who's actually in the community, who's disabled and have that mental uh, condition, then forgive me, I, you know, I hope things... But it was 89, man, better, like, we but, can't use today's rules. But, that, yeah, but no, no, but that's what I'm saying, like, I mean, you can still call out when something isn't done well, but I, from where I'm sitting, and I've known people like him in my family and in community growing up, I thought he did a really good job um, at a lot of the mannerisms, committing to the character, not making a mockery, because I never felt like he was the butt of a joke. Mm. I always felt like you committed to being this very different character, and I loved that Spike Lee included him because I think a lot of times you can't it's easy to not include disabled people in our projects and for this to be 89 and you chose someone who in any other show or movie would probably be the butt of the joke mm-hmm. um, and he never was like even though he was getting yelled at it wasn't you're slow get the hell out of here it was like this is a person who's a part right. of our community mm-hmm. but the way he played him to me I think because Roger committed it came off genuine. If I had never seen Robert Roger before, I could have been like, okay, you know, kudos to Spike Lee, you hired a disabled actor. Um, so yeah, I think I think he he even that ending where his face is like black and he's putting the picture of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King on like <laughs> even in that, like he, he just did such a good job to me. Mm-hmm. I, so I was like, Yeah, he wants that Oscar. He committed. <laughs> Damn. Very good. Right now, it's very outside the box. 
right, we don't have to do the moral of the story because we we know that he did get his point across. They tried to suppress this movie. Could this be made in 2022? Could this show? Could this be a show and or movie in 2022? What streaming services? How many episodes? I'm gonna go first and say we've already done that. Um, example: The Hate You Give. If you haven't seen that, or Seven Seconds. Um, yep. Both of those are in, in in the spirit of of something like this, a lot more modernized and very understandable. Um, Kyle, what do you think? Do you think this will be made in twenty twenty two? I definitely think so. Um, you know, especially when you consider what we have seen and experienced over the last ten years or so uh, via social media with you know police brutality and gentrification and all of the other ills that are presented in this movie. Um, it, it could definitely be done and you know quite honestly it probably would go over quite well at the box office i mean they're still making slave movies so <laughs> i don't see any reason why they wouldn't make right. make this movie right right what about you yeah but like we see it on tv all day every day um but if it was to be made i would love for it to be with a black creative team and director even if it has to be um uh, how you say? How do you shoot it like guerrilla style, like an indie, uh, indie project? Because mm-hmm. I would want somebody like mm-hmm. it would be nice to see this movie, not a sequel, not a reimagined, but like this movie in present day, um, Brooklyn or a New York neighborhood. I'm not certain because I'm not from there. I've visited a few times. I, I, not being a New Yorker, would want to know what this story looks like from the point of view of someone who is a new yorker mm. who still sees a lot of these issues today wow. how do you native new yorker or person who grew up there how do you interpret this particular story to your current um living situation because a lot of times on movies tv social media i'm seeing people saying the new york of today ain't the new york that it was 20 30 years ago so how does that especially how does it that being look gentrified now yeah, and that's being a big part. Well, like, does that take more of the story than the actual racism? Well, the actual blatant racism. Like, how do you interpret that as a um, a black and brown Brooklynite in 2022? Mm. So I would love to see it more or less. Um, if we got to give it a network. HBO. I would rather for it. Oh, wait, this yours. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to take your shine. I'm looking out going ahead. Do what you got to do. No, I just I just <laughs> feel like <laughs> theater, theaters are open again. Put it, make it a movie. Hell, let's do it. Yeah, well, yeah. No, no. And that's that's also it. Like, make it a, yeah. make it a movie, but I'm not even opposed to you getting a long-ass runtime. Like, if it takes three hours to tell a story, if as long as it's done from, even if I don't like it, as long as it's done from that point, Brooklyn native black and brown perspective give it everything that it needs mm. just I wanted the honest story just like this was the honest story mm. where he didn't waver with the uh, with the ending give me that and I'm good mm. yeah right on man right on I'm, when, you, when you be on you be on boy I love it hey, um, <laughs> no two more categories and then it's it change two actors to make the movie better Take two characters, change them out uh, with somebody you feel would make the movie better. Now, in this case, I'm going to just go first. I'm not changing anybody. Well, no, I take that back. I, I, I'm i going to be the only person that said, well, I might be. I don't know. I got to put De Niro in the movie. 
I have to put mm. De Niro as Sal. As Sal. I really want to mm. see Robert De Niro, De Niro in something like this. I think that would be the only change that I would make as far as actors and actresses. I just feel like I'm a I'm a Robert De Niro fan. I just feel like he would just that character is a, a way different guy with De Niro as the the actor. That's a it's a way the man got chops. I'm sorry. De Niro got chops, and I just would love to see that. But that would be the only thing I would change. Rain, what about you? The only person I would possibly change would actually be um, Love Daddy, Samuel Jackson's character. What? But the, okay. Um, but I wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't even want to change him because for me, he was the not least impactful because he was very important. But I feel like somebody with a more um, unique voice. Again, nothing wrong with him in this role, but like, uh, and when I say unique, I mean like Magoo levels unique, where your voice sounds very weird or different or odd. But I couldn't think of anybody. Um, but I don't honestly think I would change anyone. I think this movie had enough well-knowns, unknowns, uh, mix of black and brown, even the Asian. Like, I would keep everybody the same because I don't, I think changing changing characters is going to detract from the movie we already have. Mm. Uh, but no, I, my Sam Jackson is just the, because I want to hear something a little, a little bit odd. But honestly, I wouldn't change anybody. Twelve cow. And that's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's a fact, Jack. Go ahead, Sam. Shit, even the police yeah. officers. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get about it here. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't think of anybody that I would change out. I think everybody's kind of correctly placed, and I, I think they, like you said, if you take them out, maybe it, it changes. And and even De Niro, I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't know that, I mean, because Danny Aiello played mm-hmm. the hell out of this role, and. I'll be honest with you guys. Like for a while after this movie came out, I ain't liked it. Anything that, <laughs> that's like, man, fuck that dude, man. That's good acting yeah, right there. Did, that's a spicy that meatball. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, I mean, like, cause you had to, like, I'm like, he's sounding way too yes. comfortable in this role. Like, I know his acting, but he sounds like he really don't like us, you know. So it took me a minute to warm back up to him, you know, and some of his other roles after that. But I, I do remember there was another movie that he was in shortly after this one. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I ain't watching that. Because wow. he's in it. You know. And I can't I'll be honest, I can't I'd have to look it up to tell you what it was. But I was like, I ain't look I ain't watching that. But um mm-hmm. no, nah, I wouldn't change anybody. Okay. All right. This is it. The the all important, the the biggest the biggest category of them all. This is what we ended on. Kyle, who won the movie? Mm-hmm. Gotta go back to bugging out. Wow. I think Bugging Out was he was he was he was the character that he was the star he was the the straw that stirred the drink. And I think um, you know, Bugging Out again, I go back to that scene. He's literally just biting into a slice of pizza and he just happens to see that there's nobody he looks around the, the establishment, it's filled with black people. It'd be different if the if if it was half black, half white, mm-hmm. half Italian, you got Hispanic. But it literally was black people in there, and he saw no representation of his him and nor his people on the wall, and 
he's like, look, he's doing the math in his head. Like, I'm coming here three times a day. You coming in here two or three times a day. Everybody's coming into this place and we're giving you money. And the least you could do, you know, is have some bread. And, and it's, it's funny because, like, I remember years later, I went to, <laughs> I went to this Chinese store, man, this Chinese restaurant uh, in, in uh, downtown in Atlanta. And I remember walking in there, and I mean, this is a traditional Chinese restaurant, but it's kind of like in, mm-hmm. in the hood, you know. But I do remember seeing like pictures of James hey. Brown, and it was Michael Jordan, and I mean, but it was what was interesting was there were autographed pictures of white people, but <laughs> the other pictures of black people they weren't right. autographs, but they right. were just up there on the wall, like. And I and I thought about them. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, so these Chinese people, they they're not, you know, they they didn't have Michael Jordan sign there, you know, but. But and and you know what's funny? They actually had a picture of George Bush, oh, wow. W. Bush, and he signed the picture, a portrait. <laughs> he signed it, a headshot. But there was no picture. I mean, James Brown ain't signed shit. Jordan ain't signed shit. But you know, I was like, you know, I I, right. I understood. I was like, okay, I, I get it. I get it. Y'all ain't trying to have nobody burn hey, shit down. Okay, cool. And the Chinese food was good. <laughs> so, um, I said all that to say this, man, bugging out, man. I'm I'm ro- I'm rocking a ball. Right. I'm bugging out. That's my dude. Rain. Who won the movie? That was actually my choice, but I'm a, I'm glad you said all that, so I didn't have to. I'm gonna go with the mayor. The mayor won. Okay. Yeah. He, okay. Um, got everything he wanted in this movie. He stayed true to himself, even though I didn't agree with you getting Sal and his bitch ass kids to safety. He still stayed true to himself. <laughs> saved that young boy. He was very calm. He was never aggressive, mm-hmm. never never mean. Even when fighting or arguing with Ahmad, he was very much like, you don't know me. This is what I've been through. So at no point in the movie did I ever feel like the mayor compromised himself. He, well, he did at one point with his beer, but that's just because he needed his beer. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold that against them. But mm-hmm. uh, even so, more more so with uh, Mother Sister, the fact that, you know, he started off, this was actually like a romance, the B-plot, a romance film. I want you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you. And by the end of the day, he, he ended him. up in her bed and not even sexually, like to the point where she cared for him. He said, where did you yep. sleep? She said, I she didn't. care for him, right. Like that hit me in the chest when she said she did because I, you wake up and she's right here, standing, oh, sitting over you, caring for you. Um, and this, this, the the way that shot was done, mm-hmm. where they got up, walk, got out the bed, walked towards that window, and you see the camera pan all the way out of the apartment, and they are both in that space that he was longing for the entire movie, mm-hmm. watching her sit up there on that stoop with those roses. I was like, oh, he won. No matter what happens, he's the one character that. Is for the better, um, even in spite of everything you you quote unquote lost, which was nothing but you know a couple dollars from Sal. The mayor won the movie. Mm. You won that thing. Mm. Go ahead, mayor. The mayor. Um, fucking mayor. You gonna say Spike? No, <laughs> I do that just to, <laughs> just to get into Hector. No, <laughs> um, I'm a. My choice is probably gonna be. I ain't gonna say controversial, but nobody, oh. nobody won. Mookie ain't got a job. The neighborhood's kind of fractured from what happened with the the whole thing with Sal. Radio Raheem died. Bugging out, got arrested. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
even though the mayor and and mother sister was on good terms, they they had a whole traumatic situation with the hoses when they sprayed mm-hmm. the whole spraying the black kids with hoses. Yeah, yeah like they had a little PTSD moment. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody. I don't feel like anybody like because the and then the movie just it we don't get a not to say we have to have a happy ending, but yeah. The visual of Sal sitting in his burnt out, like Sal even lost. Not this, you know, not to say he needed a victory. Sal is sitting at a business where he literally said, "I built this brick by brick mm-hmm. by hand." Yep. And anybody who owns a business and who's who's grown it from 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 the very beginning understands that pain. Um, and. The fact that like the neighborhood's fractured, even though you see everybody playing post riot, but nobody's gonna be the same after that night. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's mm-hmm. that nobody <laughs> nobody feels everything kind of is different past that after that point. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing is going to be the same for a little while. And it was hot as hell the next day. But maybe maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe it's not meant to be. Like, no, I, I and I understand that part. I can't give a winner to nobody. <laughs> I, I couldn't, even though I tried, because I was gonna be like the mayor. But I was just like, nah, because he's still homeless and is he though? Another person I got. Nah, mother sister's like you got to <laughs> pay rent. Be a homosexual, a homosexual, and, and bugging out, bugging out, gonna get out of jail. Out, Re- Reverend Al, gonna get him out of jail. <laughs> yeah, he gonna go right down to Mission College too. <laughs> he from Detroit, Motown. <laughs> um, so I couldn't Motown. give a winner to anybody. I tried, but I just couldn't find um an angle to do that. I wanted to give it to the hot, hot summer day, but yeah, that that nigga won. And that, and that does show you one thing. When it get mm-hmm. hot, people get crazy. So, you know, they they told that everybody, you know, you, they, they were on alert that it was mm-hmm. the hottest day of the mm-hmm. summer. So, and exactly. all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Well, that wraps everything up. 12, Kyle, tell everybody, give them your socials, your podcast, let them know where they can get in touch with you. Okay, will do. Um, there's one I did write this down. Let me. I want to share okay. this with the, with the people because I did mention this quote. And I forgot to uh, read this quote to you guys. Uh, this was a quote at the end of the movie. It says, "Quote: I think there are plenty of good people in America, but there are also plenty of bad people in America, and the ones that are the ones who seem to have all the power and be in position to block things that you mm. and I need. Because this is the situation. You and I have to reserve the right to do what it is necessary to bring an end to this situation. And it doesn't mean that I advocate for violence, but at the same time, I'm not against using violence in self-defense. I don't even call it violence in self-defense. I call it intelligence. Mm. Close quote. Malcolm X. That sealed the movie for me. That again, that was the last thing that we saw before mm. the rolling credits. Um, but I love that part of it. I love that they ended the movie on a, a MLK quote, and then the Malcolm X mm. quote that I just read was the last things that we last images. And that I we think saw that's dope because that's, that's um, Spike's way. Spike is always gonna do something profound. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, always, and and I'm I'm sure Paramount didn't want that. In probably 80. not. <laughs> hey, yo. 
but yeah, man, again, thanks for having me on, man. I thoroughly enjoyed this, man. Uh, again, my name is 12 Kyle. You guys can check out my podcast. It's called the 12 Kyle Podcast. Uh, the podcast drops every Thursday at midnight uh, without fail. Um, you can find the podcast on any podcast reader. I'm on them all, Spotify, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Christian Mingle, uh, Cowboys.com, wherever you can find me. Um, <laughs> uh, you can hit me up on the socials at 12 Kyle, the number one, two K. And check out his, when you find him on Twitter, check out these drafts that he do on, on, on occasion. They're very interesting. Yeah, those are fun. Those are fun. I, um, we, my, me and my man Eclectic, we do a, a fantasy drafts and we, we just take a topic and we just pull and we do basically like a fantasy draft where we would draft and we've drafted everything from professional teams to foods like chicken of ice cream, mm. Prince songs, Tupac songs. We, we just, we, we just get a topic and just kind of run with it, man. So it's a lot of fun. And then we, once we do the drafts, we post the, the, the podcast and then give it a couple of days. And then we let people on Twitter, once they've had a chance to listen to it, vote on who had the best draft. So that's always oh, fun. No. Rain, let everybody know where they can get in touch with you. Wherever you fight the powers that be. Um, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blur. <laughs> <laughs> Rain Coleman, that's the most immediate way to get in touch with me. Uh, all of the social media, uh, Carefree Black Nerd. But if you on that TikTok, hit me up, Carefree Blurred over there. I'll be you know, talking my nerd shit. And, of course, here, here, every episode, you can catch me talking my mess with this nigga and guest. Uh, so yeah, check me out. That's there. me, <laughs> the mayor junior. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't wait. Mayor I'm BK telling you, that's that's my goal from here on out. Just to be the the new mayor. I just got to find a city to bum around in. Mm. <laughs> okay. And if you guys want to catch me, I am always on Twitter. I'm letting some tweets loose on a regular basis. That's at Cole Jackson one two. And you can also catch me every Thursday night. I do a I do a live radio show on BYK Radio called Thursday Night Lights. I play some music, talk about music topics, and uh, just give you guys some music news and and on a regular basis. That's it, man. And you can also follow the podcast at We Watch This, um, where we now we're we're a little bit better than with uploading different things tweeting about different movies and so on and so forth so if you want to see some yeah. stuff or maybe even talk about some movies and stuff like that follow us on we watch this um very good very good pod the next one's probably gonna be even better i'm not gonna tell y'all what it is y'all have to wait on it it's golden girls Ooh, blanche <laughs> <laughs> Cheesecake Central. <laughs> right, uh, we will catch you oh, next week. Won't tell.